0: Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And
1: this is Jesse. Today on Tab, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Zaldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Palm Clemin Vin Diesel, and Bradley Cooper, written and directed by James Gunn. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's time to go back to superhero Grab Bag and what better way to grab from a film currently in the theaters, returning to our old favorite, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving yeah. uh, season after season. <laughs> and let's see if this fare's a little bit better than uh, quantum mania, which, you know, you and I briefly discussed. I don't know if you and I will ever sit down to watch that film ever again. I yeah, know. It, <laughs> uh, it fared better than that. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's not <laughs> Yeah, that's Yeah, that's not... Yeah, the it's par for the course for them right now. Diverticulitis is better than death, too. So there's that also. But it, yeah, it's going to be exciting to talk about the Guardians. We've only briefly mentioned them when we did Endgame and then their brief cameo in Thor Love and Thunder. But here we get to talk about this team, this lineup, and uh kind of what a... Interesting little trilogy for for Marvel to have. I'm sure we'll talk about the prior films. We'll talk about the the current film. Uh, we got a ton to talk about and talk about comics, and we get to nerd out today mm-hmm. with some of the more of the Redwood Empire, the John Muir, Emerald Gray, Giant Rye Whiskey. I like this. We have had uh, several It'll, slam
0: home runs and grand slam home runs in the last six, seven bottles, haven't we? That almost doesn't taste like
1: a rye. It doesn't. It's just it almost like bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm I'm trying to kind of figure out what I'm tasting there. I got this for my birthday, so I don't know what the price point
0: on this is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if this is one of those sneaky thirty five dollars that we don't know is a thirty five dollar one that Basil Hayden us a little bit.
1: When you when you go and shop for for bourbons, you know, uh-huh. for the show and you know, for just us personally, for gifts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How much does because this is like maybe top of the list for me mm-hmm. is what the bottle looks like because I would probably buy this because of the looks the, awesome the etching of John Muir there yeah uh, plays yeah I think presentation is I I don't like like a boring plain Jim uh, Beam bottle but if it's got some cool art on it if it's got a cool bottle design uh, I really liked the, the Calumet Farms mm-hmm. bottle but they've changed it it used to be kind of like this like stout rotund yeah Uh, bottle and it it would um with kind of an interesting topper now it's more like this but that's why i like basil hayden that's why i like that Bibb and tucker bottle with the Mm -hmm. cork stopper yeah uh that that, i think that that plays a lot into into how i buy things hey i buy art the same way too man if it looks good if it looks good like that i'm probably going to be interested in that speaking of art yeah
0: that looks amazing you have to come over and see the hallway of strange um, marvel nostalgia yeah it looks amazing awesome good 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 awesome for those of you who don't know what we're talking about jesse got me a, a cool dr strange versus dormammu concept art print yeah that is just gorgeous i've come to bargain <laughs> come to bargain dormammu
1: Such a cool scene. I'm always fascinated by concept art about like how they envision it and then what it ends up looking like in the the finished product.
0: That's kind of close though, isn't it? That concept art's pretty close. I think they did
1: a good job of kind of visualizing what Dormammu in that film would look like, who I think could still make an appearance in this series or this universe at some point. But hey, we got a ton to talk about. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's dive right into our flight question.
2: When you were here before. Couldn't look you in
1: the eye. You're just like an angel You know we ever talked about you a radiohead fan? Hate them. Really? Hate them.
0: Yeah. Uh that's actually like, like, literally hate them. Yeah. I can't like I'm ready to turn the leave the podcast right now. Ugh, I hate them,
1: but that's even early. That like I, yeah, I can see when you get to to and uh, paranoid all this, android, yeah, and all, all that, that shit. stuff. Like I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that, but I like kind of this early stuff when it's kind of kind of a little rooted in grunge a little bit. Yeah, that might be my favorite song of theirs actually. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, well, we'll talk about music today and how music fits into the Guardians as a whole. But before hey, we get into that, I got it. Well, yeah, let me ask you one quick, since because I doubt it'll come up again. Yeah, were you okay with this soundtrack? Uh, you know, when you told me you're like, it, it's the weakest one, I, I think I agree with you. It's the weakest, but when I did hear it in the film, how it was used in the film, it's got, it's got its moments. It's got some questionable choices, but they, they got earth, wind and fire in here. Uh, they, they, they had a interesting beastie boys number, which I'm a fan of that band. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the Florence and the machine number at the end, you know, too that was temporary. Yeah. Maybe a little too. Yeah. I think, I think that's about right. I kind of like the Bruce Springsteen song in the credits. Uh yeah, it has its moments, but then yeah, I think uh, the other films I think have some more more deeper cuts that I think play a little bit better, mm-hmm. but overall I think I think it was okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh and that, that that's a Creep their acoustic version kind of starts out the film, you know, Creep this band of Misfits, right? This mm-hmm. kind of hodgepodge group of superheroes. But Time more than ever, summer movie season has officially started with this film, The Guardians of the Galaxy, and, you know, we got whiskey on the line, Matt. You know, I think we tied last year, so I think there was two bottles that were awarded, (laughs) uh, one from each of us, because I think we both had three and missed out a colossal swing and a miss for me for not including Top Gun Maverick and... You will betting bet going all in on Lightyear, which didn't even register on the blipometer.
0: Man. No, wiped out there.
1: Uh, so, yeah, top five highest-grossing films prediction of summer 2023 when uh, a loser has to buy the bottle. So what do you got? Let's start at five and make our way down. Flash. At five for me, Flash.
0: Yeah. I think the selling point of that film is X or introduced to Michael Keaton's Batman that's scare quotes around generation X yeah. to maybe a younger audience because a lot of it harkens back to the nostalgia like that you have with that film. You know
1: why I'm seeing it. <laughs> uh, me too though. Yeah. You know, me
0: too. Um, because I don't think DC is selling many properties just on the merits of their own work right now. Yeah. So that's at five for me. Yeah. And the linchpin of Ezra Miller himself. Well, I mean that might be fun to watch just because
1: you know, that's, it's a, a swan song <laughs> disaster. Yeah, before it ever got out, of it, it's it's over. It's also my number five. Really, I think it could it could fluctuate in the the rankings mm-hmm. if it comes out and it gets good word of mouth that it's actually a good movie and that there's kind of the the DC version of No Way Home. Uh, right, I, there might be some play there. I think
0: that's got a a very interesting three week window too, if I'm not mistaken. I think sure. that isn't that July 17? No, June 17th. 17th. Okay, yeah. so I, yeah. I'm off by month. I think there's it's pretty dry from then till the fourth. Mm-hmm. So it's got, it's got a nice little runway to monetize the box office. Cause I, I could be wrong on this, but I think it's very, very limited competition.
1: Have you heard? Uh, I, I don't think I've told you my little fan, uh, theory or prediction. Mm-hmm. What? I think there's an odd chance that George Clooney could show up in this film as Bruce Wayne That'd or be sweet. or Batman. That'd be sweet. I mean, this would be the place to do it, right? it's not so busy right now, and kind of like a winking nod, kind of a thing. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Um, and yeah. it's kind of going to restart whatever the heck DC is going to do going forward through time and whatever. But cool, it's both our number fives.
0: You know, Jesse. Not to spend too much time on this because I'm sure we'll cover this on the show now yeah. that we've talked about
1: mm-hmm. it. That's big,
0: big shoes for this film. Yeah, with a character that they've already admitted is getting a single appearance because they're going back to Grant Gustin. Mm -hmm. You know, if DC is basing all things DC from this point forward, which seems like a reasonable place to do it, the Flashpoint storyline seems like a reasonable place to do it. Yeah. And there is uh, a legacy that you can draw on from the Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. And... You know, a shaking of the Etch-A-Sketch, if you will, with time and space. Is this the right film? I mean, I'm glad it's this and not Aquaman the Trench, but, <laughs> and we can't do Batman again. Yeah. And Captain or Shazam was what Shazam was, which I didn't think was terrible, but wasn't great.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know, man. What, what I, I, a, I guess. What,
1: what a rating. I didn't think it was terrible, but it wasn't great. Yeah, it was just, you know, just, yeah. it just was, was. But yeah. No, I think this this could be it. Could be an important little film for them going forward. Um, we've never seen a feature film, uh, version of the Flash, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how it all plays out. How, do you pre- watch the TV series? Yeah. How far are you? Uh, I, I kind of you know seasons three and four. Yeah, that's where we are too. Yeah. All right, four for both of us. You go first. Number four for me, I'm going Spider Man in uh, across the Spider Verse, uh, and from what I've read. Uh, at least what it's tracking to do it's track and I think the original opened opening weekend was fairly small and then had a pretty good word of mouth, right? Uh, it's tracking three times the amount of that originals opening weekend. So I think there's some buzz around this one. I think people generally liked that first one. Um, I think people are into that animation style and hey, if you tell me a good movie if it's an interesting story, set in the spider versa world or whatever, I'm down I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too. Um, meeting some Miguel O'Hare, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some interesting play by Oscar Isaac. I think that could be pretty interesting to see how he plays. We've never seen him in any iteration before. Yeah, um, it look it definitely looks busy, but that first film was about as busy as an animated film can get. Right, that benefits
0: I think in a lot of ways. If you don't love the story, the aesthetic, how pretty that mm-hmm. is on screen. That that style of art is probably not. I would not what I would. Defer to. Mm -hmm. I do like it, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, was we were talked about the first one and how I liked it all up until we lost any concept of time, space, and matter. But other other than that, yeah,
1: good. Yeah,
0: Um, that'll appear on my list, but not yet. My number four is Elemental. I'm going to Pixar. I'm going to go with what I tried again last year. Sooner or later, they're going to happen. I think there's got to be a Disney iteration here, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the Little Mermaid. So I'm going to go with Elemental because I think. That although plays in the same space that the movie you just mentioned does, mm-hmm. I think that's a little more family friendly. And I got to tell you, there's a piece of me that thinks that's a pretty high concept idea. Um, this is uh, you're gonna. I'm struggling with this. What is that cartoon that was so popular that Shyamalan based the film on? That was so oh, bad. Oh,
1: Avatar. The Last Airbender.
0: Yeah, The Last Airbender. That was really popular because it played with the the Elemental factions, if you will.
1: Yeah, has a huge following. Huge. Mm
0: -hmm. Everybody that saw that, I think, has an interest in this, and that is a big, big group. Mm -hmm. So this checks in at number four for me, elemental.
1: Yeah, not, not on my list, but, yeah, you know, Pixar's got to have, like, a, just a monumental thing here. I like that they're trying new and original things. They're not going to the Toy Story well, right, right. or the Monsters, Inc. universe. Yeah. I like that they're trying their hand at some more original stuff because they tend to play better in that space when they're taking chances on mm-hmm. something like Coco or Soul or, you know, ideas like that. Two excellent films you just mentioned. Yeah. Two uh, episodes we've done on this podcast, Onward, uh, on top of that as well.
0: Yeah, like that one, too. Uh,
1: number three. Uh, why don't you go? go, go why don't you go ahead for this one? My three is your four. That's across the Spider Verse.
0: I okay. think that comes in at number three. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think that would be cool if it you know was is able to make a de- a decent little chunk there and Spider. That's going to make the top five. It's in, going to in an animated space. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. My number three is today's film. Uh I think it's you know open pretty strong. I think it'll have some pretty decent uh legs to kind of carry it. I don't think it'll be the top grosser of the summer, but I think I think it'll do all right in the two hundred million-ish dollar range. Yeah, that's my number three.
0: I bet number two and number one are the same for both of us. We'll see. Let's do number two together. Okay. One. He's drinking, so I'm gonna let him finish drink. Okay, we're gonna both say it in the count of three. Yeah. One, two, three. Dial of destiny. Little mermaid. <laughs> Wow, okay, so I'll do mine, then you do yours. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he's going to kill it. Uh, it's time, and after the bad taste that was in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and everything, everybody's ready for a palate cleansing return to Indy. I will be there opening night. Oh, yeah. Um, as much as I know our number ones are both the same, I guarantee our number ones are both the same. Uh, maybe not. I'm, if it, it yeah. has to be. Yeah. There's no way, anyway. Okay. yeah um, I think that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good popcorn film. And it's time to have an archaeological return to ancient cultures. Now we'll see that hopefully it doesn't get to space aliens and kind of mess itself up like Crystal Skull did. I, I don't think that they, they want to go that route again. <laughs> Trailer doesn't really look like that. No. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like that, does it? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is honestly probably, if not Harrison Ford's, Final appearance in film. It's gonna be pretty close. Yeah, I mean, he's getting a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my number two. Yeah. Okay, do your number two. All I'm right. Surprise you. I'm shocked you chose this. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about the Little Mermaid here. Uh, All right. So, you know, again, I think we've talked about on this podcast. I am not a fan of this current iteration of just re live yeah. actioning the past classic cartoons. Right. But there's no denying the following that those. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King have had. So people go and see them. They are just like, okay, films. I don't want to see this movie at all. I don't think it's going to translate well to live action when it's kind of perfectly suited for animation. Um, but I think it's going to open big. And it, Memorial Week is kind of coming out at the perfect time. And it's stuff for kids. And, and then that that kind of millennial Gen X nostalgia factor is going to play into that. I mean, Lion King was the highest grossing film of the summer when it came out, uh, I think in 2019. Uh, I think this will play pretty big. How big? I don't know, but it's going to be here on on this top five. Mm, I think it's going to flop. We'll see, though. Okay. Um, if it flops, I mean, I think that's, that would be you know more cause for the argument of they need to kind of stop because... In the pipeline is Lilo and Stitch, Moana live action. Jesus. Uh, they're just they're just checking all the boxes at the, at this point, but uh, I don't think it's going to flop.
0: Of all those live actions, um, I'll tell you what mine is, and I'll ask you what yours is. You know, my favorite's the Jungle Book. I yeah. thought that translated really well. Yeah,
1: that one was that one was good. That Which, one that one was good and fine. And Lion King's pretty good too. What's your no, favorite? No, 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 the Lion King one was not good. It wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't I thought bad. I liked that. I, that was trash. <laughs> that was you see because we? Tra- I, no, I
0: think I liked that. I think we saw that. Wasn't we? May have saw that in Phoenix at that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, keep going. It was just
1: weird seeing photorealistic animals try and sing songs. It just like like visually, it just did not compute. Uh, I did not like that one. Um, so yeah, no, no, Jungle Book was my favorite for sure.
0: Did you see um,
1: Aladdin? Yes. Yeah, no, that was terrible. <laughs> um, did you see? Oh um, my god,
0: Matt, the Asian American one. What the hell is that? Um, where she dresses up as the. M- the girl that dresses up as the Oh Mulan. Yeah, Jesus Christ. No,
1: I did not see that one. That was kind of a COVID casualty. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um
1: well, I don't know if I heard a lot about that one. The, and then the other either. big one was Beauty and the Beast, which I saw that was fine, but you know, I kinda I prefer the animated one for that one. This repurposing is it's tough, man. Well, isn't it the antithesis? It's the complete antithesis of I think what Disney stands for, which is innovation, imagineering, uh, <laughs> as you will, and uh, just kind of pushing the envelope of creativity. Mm-hmm. What does it say that you're just redoing what's already been done? I think mm-hmm. that's stupid. I'm with you. But the movie's going to make butts. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to see it. Oh, I don't want to see it, but... We'll, we'll return to this conversation
0: later. So I'll give you why I don't think it's going to make money. Is mm-hmm. that showed, my daughter, like everybody else, loves mm-hmm. The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And even though she's way, way old for the theatrical release, or way young for the theatrical release, which yeah. she
1: certainly knows it. 89. Yeah, She's like, Dad, I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Tough. we'll see Unt- no. until they stop making money they'll keep making them i mean they just threw out peter Pan and wendy on disney plus two weeks ago yeah wasn't a no part of that either nope no one saw the pinocchio with tom hanks as geppetto man like nope. that was <laughs> robert Semeckis' pinocchio are you kidding me yeah so the, yeah they uh, we'll see when they stop interesting but choice let's talk about number one and then we'll talk about maybe why i chose went the way i did why well, chose oppenheimer yeah we just watched the trailer Obviously. too. It chose Oppenheimer. It's yeah. It, yeah. By a mile. I went with dial of destiny for my number one, for a lot of the same reasons that you said, it's the swan song for Harrison Ford It's the swan song for that character. I feel like that's gonna, you know, bring in a lot of like force awakens nostalgia. I don't think it'll do quite those numbers, but mm-hmm. I think people want to see Indy's final ride and it can't be as worse as crystal skull. There's no way, no way, no way. No way. Uh, yeah, this year I wanted to play uh I want I want to win I don't want to buy be the bottle this year. Uh if Oppenheimer is indeed the big grossing film of the summer or in the top 5 on your list, I think that's a good thing for Hollywood. Yeah. Uh it's not uh it's a biopic, it's not, you know, it's based on a book, but it's not a sequel, it's not based on a comic book, on a pre-existing IP <laughs> yeah. and it's coming from a guy that's, you know, done it before right i think that would be great i just i i'm i'm still up in the air on how it plays in the middle of july right uh i think it'll i think it's gonna do well i just don't i think these other ones might just do a little bit better but i think it'll be i think it's gonna surprise some people
2: yeah
0: um So, the big differences between us would be Elemental
1: and Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. I think every, are we the same on everything else? No, uh, we have Flash, Spider Verse, and Dial of Destiny were the only ones that we both had. So, you have an Oppenheimer and Elemental, and I have a Little Mermaid and a Guardians. To those. To that. The thing about Oppenheimer 2 is I kind of wish almost that it was coming out in like early November, but then once we get to November, there's a ton of stuff coming out around that time. Dune 2 and. You know, the Marvels is coming out around that time like uh, like uh, November is kind of like a huge dumping ground of like big films. So I don't even know if it would play well in that time. So we'll see that weekend is coming out is kind of the Nolan weekend. So it is it's his time. Here we go. Off to the races. Summer. <laughs> yeah. Summer 2023. Um, let's see if there's some surprises in there. Is there a Top Gun Maverick surprise in there that we did not foresee coming? Possibly, right? Possibly. Something that maybe wasn't on our radar. I think some horror will play in there. There's some sneaky, uh, like, horror things uh, coming out. I-, I showed you that trailer for Talk to Me, which was mm-hmm. the seance thing. I'm kind of curious about that A24 one. Yeah. And then there's a film coming out the first weekend of June called The Boogeyman, which is based on a uh, Stephen King short uh i'm kind of curious about that one as well i don't know if it's going to blow the doors off the box office but hey you never know yeah you never know because you know think back to like the early 2000s and how my big frat greek wedding just slayed the summer this little indie film that made almost 300 million dollars like whoever who would have thought right Mm -hmm. um but we got a ton to talk about today let's dive right into our review breakdown of guardians of the galaxy volume three
0: We were gone for quite a while. But no matter what happens next, the galaxy still needs its guardians. Hello! We come in peace! (laughs) Come on, Drax. Seriously, dude? No, 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 no! Ow! (laughs) Hey!
1: forget where we came
0: from. We have been running our whole lives. Pete, I'm done running.
1: Before we get started talking about Volume 3, did you watch... uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Yeah. Yeah. Kidnap Kevin Bacon? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I liked about that? Not only the Kevin Bacon part, it's the only time I've ever heard him acknowledge that he was in a Friday the 13th film. So I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of like a, a Ma- uh, Drax and Mantis kind of like heist, like, like mm-hmm. little short film in, in a way. But there's a lot of things established in that special that I think come into play here, which the first one being uh, this new home base of theirs, which is they're setting up on nowhere, right? The yep. land of the collector. Mm-hmm. When they were kind of, you know, setting up like that sign there in the in the opening scene, I was like, like, have we been here before? And I was like, yeah, the holiday special, like they were kind of, kind of establishing their roots and whatnot. And then the dog, I was like, when did this dog come into play? It's this integral part of this team. Also from the holiday special. So mm-hmm. I am not saying it's required viewing, but hey, maybe maybe check it on. It was it was it was it was fun. It's like 35 minutes. Yeah, not long at all. Yeah. It was it better out. than Werewolf by Night. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Uh yeah, so let's start here. The Guardians are establishing their post here in nowhere. It's gonna be their home base, and we gonna kind of catch up with all the members of the team here. Uh, But Peter Quill is still kind of in a weird, strange place, hung up on the loss of Gamora. And, hey, Matt, can you blame the guy after kind of how she was done away? Soul for a soul, right? The soul stone? It's interesting. And I kind of like that he's kind of taken to just, like, just being this drunkard listening to his Zune uh, while everyone else picks up the pieces. Essentially, Nebula seems to be the one in charge, right? Right. Which is surprising and interesting at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think of how we establish our guardians here? We got got Mandis and Drax. We got, you know, fan favorites. You know, we have Groot here. We've seen about every iteration of Groot now by now. We've seen adult Groot, baby Groot, teenage Groot. This is kind of like college age Groot now. Mm -hmm. At the end of the film, we're going to see King Groot. My God, no kidding. Gigantic Groot. Uh, So I think that's been kind of fun to see the different iterations of that particular character and how Vin Diesel... Probably gets paid millions to say three lines, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But an integral part of this film, the Chewbacca of this group. Right. Yeah, the muscle, the just kind of the unintelligible entity that everyone is able to somehow translate, right?
0: We have to address Quill and the affections that are wasted now because Gamora is not around and, and how he squares that. I think that... Well, there is a Gamora around. It's just... Not the one that has any interest in him, though. Yeah. You know, as a guy that I think in the series has suffered from isolation and loneliness and abandonment, I buy that for him, but I'm going to make this statement to you now. Other than him and Rocket a little bit, I don't buy another character's arc in this entire film. Yeah. His, his arc is the only one that I buy linearly with what's been set up. I get it. Like... You know, you look at the tragedy that has been in all of their lives, but to a certain degree, quills even more so. And I get it. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be anybody's hero. All I want to do is bury myself in this bottle. Mm -hmm. And I'll be damned if anything is going to usurp this sorrow that I'm going to feel. And I think what you do start to see, though, is if you needed it, Maybe if you needed it, I, I didn't need it. But if you needed it, mm-hmm. the camaraderie between the guardians with each other because they're really having to pick up his pieces around every turn, even when he's an asshole to Rocket. Because I think Rocket's listen to his Zune. Yeah, that's mine. You for you know whatever calls him trash, trash Panda. panda yeah. <laughs> so they're willing and able to give him the grace, offer him the grace of forgiveness. But what's strange to me about that is the rest of the film for me feels very, very angry. This film is an angry film. Mm.
1: So that's what I have to say about that. What do you think? I think it's a good start for our characters here. And much like yourself, I burned parts one and two uh, going into this one, and but those played well upon rewatch, didn't they? They, yeah. I think I think they all complement each other mm. really well. I think in, to James Gunn's strengths. I think he you know understands these characters pretty well and what makes them tick, especially in part two. Man, like mm-hmm. I don't know like what tapped into Drax, yeah, but, but he is just comedic gold in that film. Yeah. Uh, but everyone kind of has their moment to shine, and kind of a little detail that I had kind of. In the first Guardians, Rocket, and we're going to probably talk a lot about his character here. I'll just say right up front, I think he might be my favorite member of this entire team. And we'll we'll, we'll talk about the journey of this character all the way through this film. But okay. they kind of pick him up. He's just like a bounty hunter. He's kind of the Han Solo and Groot's the, the Chewbacca. These kind of like bounty hunter, mercenary characters. And what I really liked is in part two... Uh, the music is just as important to him as it is to Quill. Yeah. He's like rigging up like that speaker thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you see him in the opening of this film, like he wants the zoom to go put on his like little sound system in his little apartment. Yeah. Cause the music's important to him to kind of get hyped up, to get amped. It's, it's, it's grown on him a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, you know, kind of create an interesting bond between these two characters, right? How do you have an emotional bond between a talking raccoon and, uh, a humanoid who's been in space for most of his adult life, right? Yeah. And I think they do a good job in this film. I think uh, the the Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper dynamic, I think is pretty well figured out. But yeah, there's not a lot of arc for like Drax in this film or like Mantis, but I don't even, but I don't know if the film has room for to go into a lot of areas of depth and, and kind of, you know, overall changing other than being part of the, of the team? Like, are we going into the, the overall depths of Kraglin's character trying to learn, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Gamora's, you know, at the front there, you know, where does she fit into this? Are they able to persuade her to go along with the plan, even though she hates Quill's guts? It's not the same version. She tells him many times that was somebody else, but is she going to still be a part of this team when it matters? And I think she does when it does matter she has i think a pretty a pretty pivotal moment in the film but i'm interested in nebula's uh role here in this film Mm. because a couple times i thought that they tried to like almost kind of do a love triangle between quill gamora and nebula Mm. and for all the kind of qualms with nebula's character like i think being more villainous Mm-hmm. through a lot of these films than not i think she's really come around especially post infinity war and endgame to really helping out the hero quadrants of these teams but like always just being really stern and kind of gruff the way she's done she's a robot ladies and gentlemen i mean what, what do you, what do you what more do you want from that with the chip on her shoulder because her dad turned her into a robot
0: by torturing her yeah i buy her angry mm-hmm. she needs to be angry mm-hmm. whether that's you know, my sister set me up for some of these terrible things that I went through because she didn't want to have to go through it. And she seems to be favored among this team. Mm-hmm. And everything that I do is hard, hard, cold, stoic, angry. I know stoicism and angry don't really go hand in hand, but somehow she seems to pull that off. Mm-hmm. But what's great about this early on for her is what does the team look like if Quill's in a bottle and she, as the de facto leader, has to champion the cause of what is next during what starts off, doesn't continue though, but what starts off at a relatively peaceful time for the Guardians. Yeah. She is a warrior type. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say goddess because that's so overplayed, but warrior character. Yeah. What does a warrior character do in a time of relative peace? Yeah. Stew. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for the next conflict, right? So then here's one of the things that works, and it's not going to play for me throughout the film, but this it's set up really well. You bring the Ravager version of Gamora back, who now is back to Guardians 1, maybe even pre-Guardians 1 level of discontent. Yeah. And those two girls are going to have a natural rivalry. Rivalry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Not yeah. rivalry. Mm-hmm. Revelry. That's a song you play. Yeah. I think all that's really good. Yeah. Meanwhile, Peter is if you want to say kind of comedic, even though Drax is kind of more of the audible comedic of the group. I think the quill character in Guardians rounds some of the edges where yeah. the soft spaces on the pages don't have hard action written in black and white, with these sometimes failed attempts to prove just how much he is the man. And even though he is to a certain degree, he also isn't. Mm -hmm. Let's be really honest about this. There is a huge, huge piece in this story that I think Quill needs to square. And yes, the death of Gamora ties into this, but you know what the real piece for Quill is that I thought was kind of a miss here. They had Thanos beat. Yeah. They had him Mm -hmm. and he screwed it up. Yeah. (laughs) He, would well, thank you because it gave us a a nice end of the story, sort yeah. of.
1: Yeah. How do you square that? Make mm-hmm. yeah, peace that yeah the snap is kind of sort of your fault. Kind of is. Bit. I mean, they had
0: him done. He Dallas was done. No, it was is. off the hand, and it was such a crazy scene.
1: <sighs> yeah. So he should have a chip on his shoulder too. But and I think I think he does. I think if he can quell the storm of bring this Gamora back. I think that might solve a little bit of it, but in an interesting way of like how relationships work in, in <laughs> real life it, at the end of the film, I think he kind of grows up a, a little bit yeah. and kind of is like, I think, move on. I think it's okay to move on. Sure. I'm with you there. And I was okay. I was okay with that. Mm-hmm, and I, I like that. They didn't force. I, 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 like I said, they allude to like this, there's this interesting scene where they're in the, the organism base planet. And, he looks at Nebula and like a way of just like, hey, wait, hot. Hey, wait, yeah, wait a minute. And she's like, and she's like, what? And he's like, what? What? And they, they have a nice little back and forth. Cut it out. But I kind of thought, knock it off. I, I kind of. Yeah. That's what she says. And I kind of thought I was like, hey, if, if Gamora is giving you cold shoulder, like m- maybe, maybe you go this route. But that would never really work either. So, right. uh, yeah, he's, he's just stuck in an interesting place. But. Yeah, dare I say, I don't. You know, Quill's the leader of the Guardians. The, the fact he's the first character we've seen, um, but this is kind of almost this is kind of almost Rocket's movie redemption, yes, origin, yes, come together moment, yes, and we see it instantly here when he takes his zoom back to his little apartment, and then through his window, here comes Adam Warlock. That is just you know. He's coming to snatch this little raccoon. We don't know why yet. We don't know, you know, what's going on here, but we're introduced to a new character, uh, kind of a big Marvel character, actually. I'm surprised they didn't try to introduce him for the Infinity stuff when we were doing the gauntlet because he plays pretty heavy into that Mm storyline. And again, the Infinity gauntlet story was, you know, loosely adapted into what they did on film, which is fine. Maybe Endgame would have served a little bit better had they adapted it a little more closely, Mm -hmm. right? But uh, pretty big character here. Uh, We talked a little bit off mic about what this is and isn't, but yeah, uh, give me... Let's talk about Adam Warlock real quick, and then we'll we'll get on to why he's snatching our beloved raccoon. The creation
0: of the Sovereign that's been teased out 15 films ago Mm -hmm. with... I always want to say her name's Cassandra, but it's... Aisha. Aisha. Yeah. I I come, it's Cassandra. Cassandra. <laughs> she feels like a Cassandra. Yeah. I always looked at the way he was presented with Aisha and the Sovereign as Frankenstein's monster. And mm-hmm. there is a piece of that still in him. But this is one of the bigger misses in the film for me. Not because I'm some Adam Warlock apologist and I want him to be all things great. You, you had to justify that Adam were like back tat you got, don't I you? Know. <laughs> Shh, I know. Jesse. That's why we're not on YouTube. Uh, he's fine. Yeah, he's really powerful character. Served a purpose in the Infinity War. The ship's kind of sailed now. Mm-hmm. He's still there. Yeah. And he's sort of now serving as.
1: And he was teased at the end of volume two, right? Yeah. He's like. Incub- I shall
0: call him Adam. He's incubating in his chamber, right? Yeah. I guess he's serving as maybe a little bit more readily disposable muscle for the sovereign Ooh. than the spaceships that they seem to deploy from their pods of spaceship control some distance away. Yeah. It's fine. He's fine. Um And I think where this is starting to go has possibilities. Why does he want rocket? Yeah. Um, he looks cool. I think the characters played <clears throat> well. He's, powerful enough for me to believe in what i know adam to be with my prior history Mm -hmm. yeah i'm on board i'm it's not going to last and it's not going to totally break either but sure yeah i'm fine he's fine yeah
1: yeah i think his. where you at i think his look his com, his costume is really cool cool, i think his gold skin uh yeah played by will poulter who uh was the original pennywise before bill Skarsgård, and then got kind of dropped from that project but he was really good really i didn't know that Mm mm-hmm Yeah. Did they shoot with him? Uh Uh-uh. It was when the original, it was before Andy Machete came on board as director. He was like the first director's choice as Pennywise, which that could have worked pretty well. Where the Millers is my favorite role that he's been in. Yeah, that movie's really funny. Uh, Will Poulter's really good in Midsommar. Oh, yeah, he's in that too. You're right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the look's good. I think, you know, the power set, you know, I think James Gunn does a good job because... It almost borders on like Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch Territory, where it's like, okay, how powerful can this guy be? Which I think at the end of the day is pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, but I think they 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 pull that back a little bit to make it a little more realistic for this group of characters. So I think it plays pretty well, but for whatever reason, uh, as the film goes on, they decide to get real dumb with this character. <laughs> like almost the blunt of the uh like the burden of the joke, but he's like He's like really stupid. He's like really stupid. And uh, I don't know if that was the way to go. And then also, I don't, I don't know if... We'll talk about, you know, the direction that the film decides to go with its villain and its antagonist. But I don't know if I'm buying like Adam Warlock villain of the film either, right? Especially taking on the Guardians. Because we know their skill set. I mean, they're still like fairly normal, right? Right. Um.
0: Do you not buy it because you see him as too powerful for them. Possibly, okay. and maybe
1: I'm just thinking of my Marvel Future Fight no, game that yet. I play daily because he's registered like quite powerful in that game. He is powerful. <laughs> him dude. in a Sentry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like this, like almost like pseudo Superman's yeah. in the MCU, and like these are like two of the guys, right? Blue Mar, do you know Blue Marvel? Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, he's like another one of those guys floating out there, like these like caped super flying guys that. I think you gotta be kind of a little careful with, right?
0: The introduction of Adam Warlock to Marvel Canon proper mm-hmm. is on par with the level of the Eternals. Now I know that's laughable because the Eternals is a terrible film, but if you take what the Eternals represent and how long they've been there and these minions, these heralds of of these larger than life godlike entities that are that are, you know, choosing them to do their bidding. Mm-hmm. Adam Warlock is only a standard deviation less powerful than Thanos. Yeah. Okay, we don't have to worry about all that in the film. He's been in the movie for four or five minutes. If you take that kind of power and turn it into gold skin and just lasers, which is kind of what he is in this, just gold skin and lasers. He can fly and he's super powerful. So garden variety skill set of superhero abilities, but like really strong lasers. Mm-hmm. Is he Cyclops? Because, ooh. Okay, so if he's Cyclops, then does that get into a leadership ability? But then you brought up another key point, which gets back to the Frankenstein monster of this that I know they had to have addressed and must have got changed in some rewrite. Hmm. Birthed through science and ignorant. Mm -hmm. So where I want this to go and the story that I want this to be is right there. Now, I didn't write this and this isn't my story. So I want to be humble enough to say it's not here built to please me. Yeah. But the story that they should tell, mm-hmm. which is still in line with what's about to happen, but this is going to go off the rails for me pretty shortly, is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at this before we get into more with Adam.
1: I like that he's in the film. Yeah. It's just seven films too late. Sure i think his i think his presence is fine like i said i don't know why they decided to make him so stupid <laughs> yeah but yeah and then do you think it's stupid or do you think it's
0: newborn naivete i
1: guess yeah maybe to the frankenstein thing it is a little early frankenstein where he doesn't know what fire is right yeah and right like, kind of learning like yes relearning life so to speak so okay i guess i buy it but it's played to like way too much comedic effect for me way too much um
0: but, like short of like walking through the door frame and knocking your head on the door jam, kind of sure, stupid, yeah. like slapstick almost. Yeah,
1: yeah, almost. And and uh, but I, I don't think his story's done. I think no. you know, I think Gunn and crew were smart not to kill off this character. Like they're notorious for doing at the end of all of these films, right? True. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll see more of him. We'll see how he grows. We'll see how he fits into the grand scheme of things. I think that's there's just a lot of like. Front forward power with the characters like around right now, right? Mm-hmm. You got Captain Marvel, you got Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. you got Strange, you got Adam Warlock, you got Thor floating around out there with uh, lo- thunder, right? <laughs> Love and thunder. As good as you, I like that that you said front forward. Yeah.
0: Do you mean. Are you pro- like for that in this context, do you mean physically imposing?
1: Yeah. Oh no, 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 but like pow- like power, kinetic energy right. power yeah,
0: like at you. Coming straight at you like yeah. a bullet.
1: Like it's a lot of energy. It's like a lot of like Jean Gray power, oh right? God, yes. Yes. And I just I don't yes. know how they're gonna address that later. Well, I'm gonna address it in the flight. Sure. Okay. That's the, a nightcap. That sounds good. Um because, we're, you know, where my interest lies is in, like, Spider-Man and Daredevil and, like, these street people that, like, yeah. can't fight those people. Right. They're just way overpowered, so. It can't always be lasers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Avengers Kang Dynasty is going to look like, legal battles <laughs> considering, or secret wars, but they got to find a way to just kind of wheel it back a little bit. That's why Infinity War was so nice because on top of, like, Iron Man and Strange— I mean, you still had Cap and Black Panther and uh, uh, Black Widow. So You still had like a lot of human component there. Like I, they can't just get all front heavy. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes, and, to I, that. and you're I, right. And I think the Guardians fit in the back half, right? I mean, Brock, mm-hmm. they're guys with guns and knives and stuff. And yeah. Yes, I think that's why I've always really liked this team. Is it always feels fairly grounded, even though it's very fantastical and in space. Um. <clears throat> Just something that's always been interesting about these characters. Do you believe the way I do that the pirates are akin, <laughs> the
0: guardians are akin to pirates? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we both agree with that, then where pirates really, really work is fighting mercenaries. Pirates don't work fighting Blitzkrieg. Yeah. And part of the challenge of. Taking a team or a collection of heroes, if you will, Mm -hmm. and making a battle with some opposition interesting is creating that opposition, interestingly, three-dimensionally with subtext that isn't just he who has the bigger guns is going to win the shootout levels Mm -hmm. of showdown. Yeah. Again, we've talked about this over and over. Doomsday versus Batman. Yeah. It's, There's a lot of things that don't work, mm-hmm. and this is nitpicking a lot of really pickable nits. Mm-hmm. But Batman on the side of a balcony firing fucking batterings at, bo- at at Doomsday, silly. He needs to be in the Batcave, organizing some larger cerebral attack mm-hmm. on this because that's where he fits. That's Batman's superpower.
1: Bruce! Lois is the key! <laughs> Martha! Good God, that film. Uh, so, no, fact, I'm with you, though. Yeah, yeah. It, so, the, is Warlock Blitzkrieg yeah. versus Pirates? A little bit, yeah. Ay, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, I'm glad that the... I'm, I'm kind of glad the film doesn't decide to go there, because I was a little... I From watching the trailers, I kind of didn't know, like, who's the bad guy? What's going on here? I was kind of... Because... Yeah, it could have been a lot of laser firing, and I don't know how Groot and yeah. Rocket fight a laser man. Right, right. Um, so Adam <laughs> Orlock really sp- F's up the place, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rocket's in pretty bad shape here. Mm-hmm. They introduced a pretty interesting piece of tech, which is like this, like, chest pad, which can kind of just, like, almost like a defibrillator, but it kind of, like, finds what's wrong with you and, like, cures you up really, really quick. Got to hurry up and make that science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah come on, science. <laughs> yeah. But they use it on Quill, it works pretty quickly, and then um, mm-hmm. they try and do it on Rocket, and it's just, like, not computing. Mm-hmm. And Rocket's in pretty bad shape here. And as a viewer, like I said, I established, like, I've always really liked this character, and we know this is the swan song, right? Yeah. What is what, Gun, what is Gunn uh, willing to do with these characters who, at the end of the day, I don't know if I really want to see any of them go. You Go know, forward or, or goes to like death. <laughs> okay, there's just a great emotional investment in these in these people. I think I've I think to his credit in parts one and two, I think he's done a great job of writing really likable characters. Uh, so I'm not ready for that yet, but oh boy, man, are we gonna get close in this thing? Rocket's in bad shape here, and so they they kind of put him on the MRI machine, and they can't use the thing because there's like a like a kill switch in him and. In order to use this, they have to bypass his inner machinations. And, yeah, it looks like it's going to be curtains for him. And so it introduces a couple things that I know we like in storytelling. It introduces, A, a time clock. Mm -hmm. Rocket's got 48 to 72 hours so we can cure him up or he's toast. B, it's a kill switch. Who made this kill switch? Ogre Corp? Uh, What the hell is this place called? Orgo Corp. We got to do a heist. We got to go get this thing from this place so we can save our friends. So it almost becomes like a thievery rescue mission mm-hmm. to save our little beloved raccoon. I'm on board with that. I like. I like both of those things. Uh, I don't like that it takes Rocket off at of the table for a huge chunk of this film. But if his if he is the emotional crux of this film, I'm okay with it because you know th- he does get some interesting play here uh, going forward. But. Yeah, I don't know what we're in for at this point. To Gunn's credit, I'm I'm kind of on the edge of my seat. The trailers didn't really give a lot of this plot away. Um, yeah, where, where are you at here? I have a lot on this. I don't know
0: when to present it, though, because as we get into the movie, it's the discussion for later in story. I do like what you said about the emotional crux of the team. Mm-hmm. Let me talk about that for a minute. I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it. Yeah. He certainly, for... A portion of the first two films has been,
1: oh, the most- Contentious? <sighs> intense? Yeah, but also the- Spits and authority?
0: <laughs> the quickest to offer a paw olive branch, if you will- Next to Mantis, but I'm not going to use Mantis because Mantis wasn't in the first film and she's just sort of like Zen peace chick all the time, except in this movie in the fucking weirdest scene of all of Marveldom. We'll get to that later. Um, He's going through something and I think Rocket's backstory has been teased enough to where we kind of take a weapon X approach. Like what did mm. those terrible people do to you yeah. to create this version? Although even though that sucks for you, I really kind of like it because without you, there's no Wolverine or I mean rocket. Sure. Okay. So whether that's Orgo Corp or whether that's weapon X, I think all of that stuff plays. Here's where I'm starting to wonder though, if maybe this is the larger problem for me for parts of this film, Mm -hmm. the way we're introduced to Quill, who even though rocket might be the soul of the team and you could make a case for Drax in that too, but okay, let's I'm, I'm with you. Like, let's go with rocket. Yeah. Quill's terrible tragedy driven to the bottle. Yeah. Steal some of that from him because I'm worried about the titular lead of the team mm-hmm. and the loss of his girlfriend and what that means. Because if he's not there, I want him to heal. Cause I do. I personally care about him the most secondarily. Oh my God. Now Nebula is at the reins and what does that look like? Yeah. And third, what does Nebula have to do with Rocket when we all know that Rocket and Peter are really tight. So I think there's a lot of competing narratives for a larger tragedy. And truthfully, as Rocket's on the slab hours away from meeting his maker, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally meeting his maker, yeah. I should be more concerned about him. Yeah, But I'm wondering if maybe the Gamora-Quill reconnection as the Ravager show up and we find
1: Gamora the Ravager. Is taken away from that a little bit? yes. I'll just kind of let the cat out of the bag real quickly. There's a moment later that nearly broke me in this film emotionally, and we'll, we'll we'll get to it, but I thought it was really handled really well, and I haven't been very positive of Chris Pratt on this podcast. You have not? Listened to our Jurassic World yeah, episodes. No. Not, yeah, no. Uh I think it's his finest acting moment in that particular scene. We'll, oh, I want to hear it. No, Tell we'll, me. we'll get to How it. We got to we'll, oh, okay. we gotta lead up to it, but the review of the other films I think really helped this argument and especially part two. Do you remember that scene in part two where they're flying through the minefield and they're both jockeying for control of the ship? Yes. Like there's this interesting like power play between these two egos, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the better pilot. I'm the better mercenary. I'm the better this. Cause a- rocket's the better pilot. Yeah. And it really comes to a, a head there. And I thought it was very, an interesting choice that mm-hmm. at the end of the film that, Yondu actually, I think, helps Rocket realize how arrogant he has been toward his team. Yeah. And in order to kind of soften those edges. The final last shot of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is Rocket, a close up of Rocket's face and a little tear rolling down his mm-hmm. eye and cut to black. Yeah. They could have ended with Quill, the main character. They could have ended with Yondu floating out into space. They decided to end with Rocket. And I thought that was interesting. Poignant. Yeah. And then think of Rocket's journey. Rocket uh, in Infinity War is the only one not dusted away. Nebula's not dusted away either, um, but that helps, you know, the Thanos conflict. But he's had to see, as we're getting into this film, his friends bite the bullet twice in his lifetime. And then to go through the saga of Endgame and then to end up where he's at... I think saying the soul of the guardians, I think is appropriate. I think there's been a lot thrust through this particular character and I got to give kudos to Bradley Cooper. His yes, voice work is incredible. Okay. Look, I, I, you sold me. I'll buy, i I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Let's
0: call rocket the, the soul of the guardians. Sure. I, I'm with you,
1: all that. They all have their role, the muscle, like you, like you said, the muscle, the comic relief, the wild card, that might be Nebula, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, And the love in- Gamora mm-hmm. and Gamora the, and the mercenary. And I like that they all, like, they use swords, Drax uses knives, Mantis uses telepathy, mm-hmm. Quill's using his bl- Answer me this question. Did Quill put on his little uh, Star-Lord mask in this film? Because I don't think he did. Mm. You know, the one with the yeah, red eyes? That's a good question. I tried to think back afterwards and I'll have to watch it again, but I don't think he donned that mask, but no, cause actually I don't think there's much where he needs. I, maybe
0: I, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe. Sure. All right. Let me ask you a question. then. Yeah. Maybe this plays even better to what I'm going to tell you. If we introduce Adam Warlock, who has been teased for a number of films, and again, I didn't write this and it's not my story. So mm-hmm. what the hell do I mean? Yeah. And no, If we have a Frankenstein's monster effect working with Adam Warlock, and when the sovereign create him with the help of a ridiculous lead villain, in my opinion, this high evolutionary, and not because that's a bad villain, he's just portrayed like really ridiculously in this film. Yeah. Then Aisha, I didn't call her Cassandra. Yeah. Goes to the High Evolutionary and says, This creation that you helped me forge is off of the rails. Not only is he a complete imbecile, but he's incredibly powerful. And this dummy might as well put his hand in fire as he would evaporate the entire planet with his lasers. We have to do something. And the high evolutionary goes, in the story that I want this to be is, I have a solution for you. Mm -hmm. I have a creation that did all of those things. The cerebral piece the transhuman humanism that we want is available with one of my creations from a previous time. And we open with this Jesse and then we can get to nowhere and it's, yeah. we've got to go get rocket. Yeah. So then it's, so
1: use the, the, the
0: heist of rocket yeah. to take whatever piece of rocket that only worked on him. Cause we see throughout the rest of the film, it didn't work on any of the other characters just very him, well. Just him, yeah. something special about rocket. Mm-hmm. Let's get that from rocket. Let's extract it from rocket And we will put that in Adam because that is a far more powerful entity in protecting the perfect society that I'm choosing to create. And while I extract this from Rocket, I can use the same piece of more human than human. I thought about Blade Runner a lot in this movie. I thought about Blade Runner a lot in this movie. Rucker Hauer a lot. Yeah.
1: Roy Batty. Roy Batty. Yeah,
0: I can use this to infuse into a society that won't be failed because an octopus won't be dealing Hera into a bunch of weird weirdo alien kids. <laughs> so you get a heist. Yeah. And then it is not this rocket is on the slab DOA. It's rockets getting prepped for whatever extraction they're going to do. You still have all of those things. And the story then is let's fix Adam at the expense of rocket it still plays on the soul of the film. Cause the team soul member has been ripped out of it. Yeah. And Peter's a disaster. Yeah. So he's got to make, his girlfriend doesn't love him anymore and she's dead and then reincarnated. His best friend's gone and who's he going to give it to? Drax, Mantis, or fucking Nebula? Oh my God, he's abandoned again Mm -hmm. to a certain degree because I guess by default, Drax becomes his second best friend. (laughs) What does that look like? I guess
1: so. And Drax is always... Yeah.
0: Dancing idiot.
1: Couple pancakes also short of a stack, right? So
0: (laughs) I I think that that takes us in a similar direction, which is the repurposing of Adam Mm -hmm. for a more singularly useful purpose than lightning laser ramrod to almost kill Rocket because the sovereign just don't like Peter. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's almost just the.
1: Would air- they care that much? He's the errand boy, right? Yeah.
0: Would they? Would, I mean, does the sovereign really care that much about him?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No, I like your idea. I like your your alternate take, and yeah, it kind of checks all the boxes that this one kind of tries to check as well, right? And it's kind of there already. Yeah.
0: Isn't no. it? I'm, I'm, that's why I'm wondering. Like, I, I really respect James Gunn and his ability to direct a story. Well, you think there's a Feige interference here? Okay. <laughs> yes. I, as a matter of fact, I do. Okay. I, I absolutely do like a, this. I think that's where this the high evolutionary Jesse only works as the science for the creation of a better society, mm-hmm. and he still does that. Yeah, but he does it at a JV level where they had set up a supremely talented Division One level. Now, I'm noticing comparing Division One to JV, not pro. Yeah, but right, mm-hmm. there's a large disparity between those two things. Yeah. And I'll back this up a little bit later when we get into what the high evolutionaries, you know, science lab looks like. But um, I will say this mm-hmm. for as as hard as I've been on the film to this point, at no point in this movie was I ever like, get me to the door. <laughs> yeah. And
1: I will say it is maybe about 20 minutes too long as a film, two and a half hours, man. It's, it's you know, that's just the par for the course at the cinema nowadays. Yeah, right. But and at no point did I ever think like, God, this is shot like shit. Yeah. So let's talk
0: about this Orgo planet. Yeah, or you you want to take us sec- that get us up to that point?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I think we, yeah, we've established we need to get the kill switch codes, mm-hmm. which are housed at this planet. He was it was you know this corporation. Uh, in between that, the ravage the Ravagers. I did really like that scene where they're uh, they're trying to burst through like almost like this like force field bubble, and like Quill has to like engage this like interesting like kind of like shield component, but. Him and uh, Drax and Nebula just giving it to him back and forth. I thought that was pretty well done. But then the Ravagers, Stallone and crew yeah. show up and are just like, "Oh man, like what's going on here?" Mm-hmm. And here comes Gamora. She's just like super cantankerous, like doesn't know like this Quill. And then he's like, "Love, you didn't tell me she was gonna be here, right?" But yeah, they go there, be a be be a part uh, of the team, and we're gonna board this planet. Uh, I kinda I thought this planet was pretty interesting, almost like living like Tissue. organism like the blob, but it's like a space station of sorts. And I, I like their little spacesuits, they're all kind of color coordinated. And we'll have to talk about, you know, I want to hear some of your favorite Guardians moments throughout the other two films. I still think even though you're right, it's a pretty angry, it's a pretty sad and morose film. It's, it's a swan song, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's got it's funny moments there, there, There's several coming up I thought this one was pretty good I miss you So much And
2: maybe Maybe if you, if you open yourself up to it There's a possibility I don't think so Quinn Quill Quill I don't think so
0: but well, what I'm trying to say is...
1: Peter, you know this is an open line, right? What? We're listening to everything you're saying.
0: And it is painful. And you're just telling me now? We were hoping it would stop on its own.
2: But I switched it over to private. What color button did you push? Blue!
1: For the blue suit!
2: Oh, no. Blue is the open
1: line for everyone. Orange is for blue. What? Black is for orange. Yellow is for green. Green is for red. And red is
2: for yellow. No, yellow is for yellow. Green is for red. Red is for green. I don't think so. Try it, then. You were right.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. James Gunn's really good at, like, you know, he's going to go to the, like, the dark and tragic, you know, think of that scene, you know, with Quill's mom in the opening moments of the film, man. It doesn't get as dark as that, right? And able to kind of wheel it back a little bit and still keep it light and a little bit of levity. There's kids in the audience, right? And just have some fun. And I think... Seeing all those characters interact, they all play off each other so well. And maybe that's just the actors know these they've is this their like fifth time playing these characters, right? Yeah, at least, right? I think they know who they're playing really well at this point, so little things like that. And then when when they're jumping on this planet that has like kind of like moon-like gravity. I really like that everyone's doing pretty good except Mantis is just kind of like spinning around, Uh, not really able to get her bearings. And then they get inside the ship, and then here comes Nathan Fillion as this like uh, like like big suit crew, and he's like, "Hey, I got a guy here." (laughs) trust that but like do you remember that yeah yeah like like this guy this guy is just the worst Is like this yeah, guy, yeah. i got like, one of these <laughs> yeah, i got one of them too total idiot <laughs> meanwhile their spacesuits have flown off into space so like yeah just kind of creating conflict through comedy i think works really well for james gunn and their time here on this ship i think is, is is done fairly well i think so too i like this part of the film
0: take all that comedy that you have and for me i found it to be rather disgusting yeah this little orgo Uzi? planet, yeah, yes, oozy yeah. and fleshy and yeah, fleshy. Um because it is, right? It's they're yeah, in the te- middle of like some tissue. Yeah,
1: teeth and stuff. Yeah.
0: Even Nathan Fillion's armor spacesuit is tissue. Yeah. It looks like just scar tissue around him. Mm-hmm. So when they cut into the ship, which is how they get in there, it's they use like a laser scalpel to remove the tissue so they can <laughs> complete with all of the necessary bodily fluids and sounds and structures that go along with it. Hey, I'll give them credit. That is really interesting and a funny and disgusting way at the time. And I mean it, Jesse, I've recently a couple of times like, God, that's fucking gross, man. This place is nasty. Get out of here.
1: I think they've done a good job in this whole trilogy of showing space in rather interesting ways, like planets, uh, Mm-hmm. Like, Ego's Planet, like, has, like, an interesting, like, what dreams may come Robin Williams, mm-hmm. like, heaven kind of look to it, right? Uh, yeah. I, I think they've done a The prisons have, like, a good, like, rusty, jagged look. Yeah. And that's carried over to one of our favorite things, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout in Disneyland. <laughs> Heck, yeah. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Remarkable. So yeah, I think they've done a good job world building the cosmic Marvel universe when the other films have kind of not done a good a good job.
0: Yeah, to the criticisms I have, none of them are going to be levied in the world building that they've done. And frankly, a lot of Disney's other properties could go to school because yeah. not every fucking scene needs to be Tatooine. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, I think, you How know. How many times have we been to freaking Tatooine? Yeah, a lot. Let's uh, go somewhere else. And
1: when Tatooine isn't Tatooine, it's just called Jakku.
0: Which is Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh the sand is a little bit more oh and then you know we'll have sea salt sand that's
1: red but it's still just sand what is that uh the last jedi right yeah what the hell is that planet right. called no no
0: no no, no. that's it's a good, good ride that's star tours i forget what it
1: is that's gonna bug me now i'll look it up for you guys they've done a good- Crete. yeah yep you're right oh come oh, on we, what's up you're right <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> that never happens exactly what it is. and it's salt <laughs> right Yep. uh Yeah, they've done a good job world building. And I know you and I prefer to be in the streets of Manhattan fighting the hand and Kingpin Mm -hmm. and, you know, Electro and whatnot. Yeah. But they've done a good job establishing the cosmic with uh, these films. Yeah. I kind of forgot Thanos was in that first Guardians film. I think that was the first time Josh Brolin played him, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they've done a good job of establishing how big this can get while still... Well, you forgot because it introduces the amazing villain Ronan. Yeah. Which I told you... A little bit better, better. than I gave I him credit for, but he's still just not great. And then know. you know, ego. Do Kurt Russell? That, that, that's a great. Oh, you like
0: Kurt Russell? Yeah, I do. Hmm.
1: But that's a great character, right? Yes. that's a film all about fathers and sons, right? Yeah. So planting that, your seed far and wide. Yeah. Do you Do you have a penis? Yes, Drex. I have a penis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they're in the middle of this heist, uh, you know. It all goes tits up, you know. Uh, you know, it, it all just goes to hell. And you know, Quill is trying to use charm to talk to the receptionist to get them to get the the file that has the rocket kill switch. And they're unable to get that, but they are able to get you know who has it. And it's this you know bald Asian guy that has like this apparatus implanted in his head, and it's it's stored in his memory banks. He's the one that just re downloaded it, right? You mean Lobot from Bestman? Cloud City? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he's a little
0: low body. <laughs> can I ask you a question? Because yeah. I, I don't know if I just missed this in the film. Maybe you got it. I didn't. Okay. Is the kill switch to turn off the inner technology so that his DNA can be broken? Or is it to allow the assimilization of healing to go through yes. the circuitry to fix him?
1: That one. Okay. I think the kill switch, if they're unable to do it, it's just, it's kind of like... Uh, a bomb that can't be disarmed so so to speak, like without that code. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they're unable to get that, I think yeah, they'll just run out of time to be unable to to save him, right? Yeah so yeah, it's that t- literally ticking time clock, right? okay So yeah, that's that's how I took it uh, okay. as but yeah, so the, it it's successful but unsuccessful because now there's like another step we have to get to uh, to get to this guy. Uh, and in the in between, you know, we're kind of getting, even though Rocket's on the slab, we're getting little glimpses into his little origin story. As this, gotta tell you, Matt, you know, I know we're we're, we're dog lovers, mm-hmm. we like pets. This shadowy person coming and scratching this little baby raccoon out of this cage, man, that was pretty pretty sad for me. I was just mm. like, what are you gonna subject this little creature to? Yeah. That's just I think at that point a normal raccoon, right? Yeah. And as he's put onto the what are the RoboCop's lab, they start toying with his DNA, with his ge- genetics, with his internal cell structure. It's you're right, it's very Weapon X. Uh the high evolutionary may as well be William Stryker, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Giving him this internal uh cell uh like uh metal structure and somehow the ability to speak, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, there's there's not a lot of information given as why did it work with Rocket other than, you know, he's this character that we know and love, but all this experimentation on these animals, which is very cruel and rudimentary, somehow works with him, and he's able to have uh, memory retention, he starts speaking, He's really smart and it comes to a head in that scene where they're trying to gas the animals, right? Mm-hmm. Or incinerate them. And he was like, Well, it would work a lot better if you in the coupling and the and this high evolutionary is like, The fuck did you just say? Like mm-hmm. he, he picks up on this thing's a little more smart than I could have ever imagined, right? And I think that plays to Rocket's sensibilities. He's the techie guy. He knows m- intermachinations of machinery. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's able to pick up on that pretty well. Yeah,
0: master engineer. Whether it's mechanical, electrical, nuclear, mm-hmm. what master engineer from a random selection from a raccoon from an assortment.
1: How much did you love the scene in the first Guardians where they're breaking out of the prison and he's like, he needs like that light or and this thing and he's able to kind of like put together like some sort of engine to fly that thing out. And he tells Quill, I need that guy's prosthetic leg. I didn't think he'd actually do it. So good, yeah. <laughs> Got this eye for you. Yeah. I love that. No, I really need it. <laughs> I love that. And then that plays later in Infinity War because remember Bucky like, hey, how much for the arm? Yeah. Oh, I'll get that arm. I'll get that (laughs) arm. All right. You brought up a couple, I think, really
0: interesting things here. Also, like this goes to the the conversation you and I had off mic. Mm -hmm. When we watch Rocket explain to the high evolutionary what mistakes you've made through, essentially, I think, a poor build on these chambers. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Which is causing these mutated animals to come out angry and unruly and all of these things, then you're playing in a space that is the Adam Warlock space. Mm -hmm. The question remains, if that technology was broken in those chambers when the high evolutionary made all 99 of these failed experiments and the one success was Rocket, what's different about Rocket? Why is Rocket the... Success or the anomaly to these failed projects. Secondarily, this is a huge, huge miss for me okay. in this part because it could have been really cool. Mm-hmm. We have to give the Guardians something to fight. This is the Stormtrooper, the Chatari, the fodder yeah. for <clears throat> Carnage. Yeah. As best I can tell, the general army that the High Evolutionary is going to use to bring down opposition looks like mutated cockroaches. Mm-hmm. What if, because we get a really great moment around this time where we watch, I think it's a turtle mm-hmm. mutate into God only knows this monstrous looking thing. A
1: ninja turtle.
0: <laughs> awesome. Low, right? Yeah. What if instead of using this army of countless mutated cockroaches, which brings up this question also, would the high evolutionary choose to spend that time and resources in the creation of a perfect society that ultimately fails on cockroaches, he would never do that. He would never use cockroaches. He never would do that. That's bullshit. Instead, instead of creating this large army, create me six really cool mutated animals. And instead of wipe out 50,000 cockroaches, give me five or six really cool mini boss battles Mm -hmm. as they take on this cadre of baddies yeah. that bring to the table, whether like, how about a vulture? Give yeah. me a fucking mutated vulture. You know how yeah. scary that would look?
1: <laughs> Just do the Sinister Six, right? <laughs> Con- to a certain degree, yeah.
0: yes, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. Because yeah, it's pretty good. I think that is a little bit more yeah, I think interesting looking than... And, and I get it. You can wipe out a cockroach and nobody's going to be sad because they're p- the piece, like you said, yeah. is... And they're doing these terrible things to these animals. And it's supposed to tug at your heartstrings because that makes you feel even worse for Rocket. Yeah. So no one really gives a rip about cockroaches. Yeah. But you know what? Think about like a mutated turtle, Jesse, mm-hmm. and the natural defenses that come with him by that mutation.
1: Yeah. I think there could have been a lot of oh, play there. Oh, man. Because that I could have
0: been so cool. Towards
1: the end, I think aren't, they're just kind of fighting like robots again, right? Like t- just just fought. Yeah. Robots with guns. <laughs> <laughs> that have an
0: animal, some piece. Of, and it looked like insects. Yeah.
1: Yeah that, mm. yeah that could have been interesting yeah yeah kind of like almost like a black order but like there you go well, mutated it, version right yeah yeah that could have been good in uh the cells uh so rocket you know has to go be caged in between all this and there's an otter with like amputated robot arms there's lila yeah you know, lila there's a mr tusk uh some, sort of, some sort of walrus and a rabbit and then a rabbit that has like its mouth. It's like a, almost like a spider. It look like the thing to me, mm-hmm. right? Yes. In fact, there's a little thing moment early in the film where uh, Groot gets like blasted and his head is walking mm-hmm. by Adam. Well, it's the Adam Warlock attack. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, the thing.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, he's, he's spending time in these cells. And, you know, I like that they're all kind of divided in these four quadrants, but they're all kind of getting to know each other really well. And there's this camaraderie and there's this supreme intelligence amongst this group and they talk about their plans and their grand schemes once they're outside of this. And once they're talking about that, you know, this is just not going to end well. Right. Right. Um, In between all that, like we know where we need to go next. I mean, we need, (coughs) we need to go get this code from this guy. So we're off to, what's it called? Is it called counter earth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Yeah, let's talk about our bad guy, the high evolutionary. Uh, I'm glad that the film pointed this out. I thought this was a cool moment because the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, this guy with this like skin pulled over this like head, Mm -hmm. he looks like Robocop without his mask on. Yeah. And Quill calls him that at the end of the movie. I thought that was a great moment. I was just like, I'm thinking the same thing over here. Yeah. But He's interesting. Yeah, you talked a little bit. Yeah, transhumanism is kind of his ordeal. He wants to perfect humanity to his mind. I don't think we're ever really given a good reason why, but he wants to kind of essentially repurpose the human race to perfection and sort of a bastardize. He's essentially Dr. Moreau, right? Mm-hmm. Outer Counter-Earth is the yeah. island of Dr. Moreau. This like weird like incestuous like experimented on human animal hybrid planet, so to speak. And Adam fits into that. Adam Warlock fits into yeah. this oh, yeah. ability to create yeah.
0: through science. Yeah, And the high evolutionary's greatest weakness is hubris because he can't deal with the fact that in this evolutionary process that he's chosen, which I think is to create a counter-Earth of perfect specimens so that he can rule over the perfect society, mm-hmm. which is just vanity. Yeah, He's almost got it with Adam. Adam is so perfect, mm-hmm. he's more human than human yeah. except... He's stu- Except <laughs> he's stupid. He's stupid. <laughs> which you can say has to do with immaturity and he's got to grow up
1: and learn how to harness these powers. Yeah, now that you're saying it, yeah, he's very Frankenstein like. Yeah, yes. very like even into Brighter Frankenstein, which I watched a few months ago. Yeah, it takes him a little bit to kind of master speech and how to function. Friendship. Friendship. Yeah, camaraderie, romance. Right. And yeah, I guess Adam, I took it as just been like he's kind of, the, and he is the blunt of the joke. He's thrown away, like you said. But he is very Frankenstein-like. Yeah, trying to find his his legs, right? He's like a baby deer.
0: Right, so whether it's Adam Warlock or those four um, characters in the cells, Rocket, Lila, Teeth, and whatever, the floor. 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 Yeah. floor.
1: <laughs> the rabbit, yeah.
0: Those four characters. What we're seeing is failure upon failure upon failure, although getting closer for the high evolutionary. If he can... Decode, breakdown, harness, steal, assimilate—whatever you want to use—the piece of rocket that makes him special.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the missing
1: link. Yeah, his brain.
0: That's the missing link to take all of these characters and these creations that he has sired, mm-hmm. and make them perfect. Yeah. And if we want to go down that road, and what better army than Adam Warlock army? That's obedient, smart, and disciplined. Jesus Christ! Look out! Well, I kind of bar the door.
1: I kind of like it. I kind of liked how you mentioned vanity,
0: Uh especially with his face and how we know what happens at
1: places. Oh, too, oh that, it? you want to talk about the most gruesome thing that the MCU has ever done? Talk mm-hmm. about the High Evolutionary's raccoon walled face! Ooh. Holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> uh, Two
0: Face looks handsome compared to that. Oh guy.
1: Jesus! Yeah, this uh, <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get there because it's kind of a pretty cool like team up scene, mm-hmm. but. I'm kind of going with him as the villain of the story, and I I like, you know, we talk about this, I feel like, every time we do one of these superhero things, Mm -hmm. right, the villain ruling over rubble, right, let's destroy the world to rule over nothing, the doomsdays, the Ultrons of the world, if his thing's about vanity, because he's so fucked up, right, I'm going to, like, make more fucked up people, that way I look better than them, and I'll rule over all of them. I like that, too. That's a society that I can, you know, it's not, we're not ruling the galaxy. It's just this planet that we're testing this experiment at. And then he's essentially going to genocide the whole damn thing, right? Uh, I'm willing to go with that. And I like that, you know, Rocket is possibly the crux that's making this all operate. That if he could just get this raccoon, all his problems would be fixed. He could actually make a good version of this Glop over here, right? Uh, Yeah, it feels appropriate for... The Guardians. It feels like something they can handle. Whereas when it's the Adam Warlock journey, I'm a little nervous of their ability to tackle that man. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm willing to go with it. Where are you on? Because I know it's it's a little sticking point for you. Where are you on the high evolutionary's evolutionary track?
0: I don't think that's a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. And the failures that he witnesses create a larger purpose to continue these dastardly plans. Yeah. And I thought this counter-earth was one of the better parts and also singularly one of the worst parts of the film for me too. Here's sure. what I really liked about it. I like that the high evolutionary ship is plunged into the middle of counter-earth, somewhat like uh, Excalibur and the sword and the stone, mm. and only the right person can pull it out. I thought that was very, yeah, very interesting. Good. Yeah. Here's what killed me though. My like, I think you said you liked Rocket. Mm-hmm. My favorite character is Drax. Drax is completely ruined for the rest of the film and the rest of of his time in Guardians on this planet. Mm. This is where I really struggle with the anger in this film. It's comedic to blast some sweet little kid with a (laughs) dodgeball. What's not comedic is to clothesline a fucking guy on a motorcycle so you can steal it, which would have killed him so that you and Nebula? Mantis. Mantis, sorry, can go for some joyride. Like They start to take Drax and make him cruel to the innocent and i don't buy that
1: he does have a good moment though when the like they uh they go into the, that person's house and you don't know what the hell's being spoken because they're speaking another language and we're kind of caught in the in-between but he keeps wanting to lay down on the couch <laughs> yeah like, he's a bully yeah he's like drex that's rude like you're like you're like oh it's so like but it's here for me like i thought they got some good play out of that but yeah i guess he is a little bully-ish. I thought he did have a good moment a little bit later with the, the, the kids on that on that ship, though, where he, he kind of knew that language. And I thought that was a snapshot into his origin that's been very loosely told through three films, right? I, I thought he did kind of have a moment where he was kind of the go-between of assistance versus, I guess, bullying to that extent. But yeah, yeah, Pelton, this little girl with this dot on in the faces— <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty intense. I mean, these people's response to that
0: are to stone them. So you kind of get the idea that these are hapless <clears throat> people when it comes to, and not that the Guardians are so ultimately powerful, but Quill's guns and his mask compared to like a few little, you know, sea stones. Yeah. What if, if, yeah. The, the other thing too that the, really was the deal breaker for this section of the film for me okay. is after they get to, the high evolutionary ship, which basically is the midpoint of the movie. Like, we've got you now, and here we're going to come get you. Jesse, they just destroy that planet. Mm -hmm. And there's no regard or consideration in a very um, Superman, Man of Steel. There's millions of people that are... and, And where I really even struggled more is with the consideration for the 1200 animals that the high evolutionary has that they, I want to save those animals too. How much they risk for that versus how much they just wash their hands of this planet of these, these, these humans. No, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I just... I, after that, I actually had to get up for a minute and go to the <laughs> bathroom. Cause I was so off put Yeah, by that, like the taking my guy Drax and turning him into kind of an a-hole and then just, and I get it. He's the bad guy. The yep. high evolutionary is the bad guy. He's not going to give any, but the guardians
1: didn't do shit or even offer any like remorse about it. They're just like, well, let's move on. Yeah, there's no remorse. I don't know what they could have done to save the planet because they're just, that's not their skill. Set, I agree. Right? Uh, I agree. Uh, but, it just feels angry. Yeah, it is kind of passed off Yeah, uh, by that. And, and maybe them saving the animals and the kids at the end is you know a step in the right direction of trying to right that wrong a little bit. Yeah, uh, uh, that's fair. No, I'm, I'm with you. The, the thing that worked pretty well for me while we're on this planet was, I was like, okay, Gamora. I was like, she's this loose cannon, this wild card. She already hates Quill. She doesn't know why. She's trying to get back to Stallone's ship, right? Come and pick me up. Yeah. These fools have me on here. Yeah. What's going to happen when push comes to shove? And as she kind of starts, you know, going through Quill's bag... And seeing Rocket on the slab there, this weird gleep glop uh, of the high evolutionary comes to abduct Rocket, and she's like, mm, "I can't let you do that." Yeah. Now it's her time to kind of be part of the team and and carry her weight. I thought she did a really good job. I thought I thought it was, and it, it fit the character. I didn't feel like they completely won over the character. It still felt like she had an edge, but she was still willing. You're not taking this raccoon for me. Uh, yeah. This is this is our thing, and. Her and uh, Adam Warlock kind of have a little fisty cuffs, and he has another gleep clop like, chihuahua or
0: something. Yes, what? Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: some weird little friend he's picked up because some other guy got killed, right? But I thought they did a good job with her character. She's still okay. cantankerous, and I don't think that... The, if the goal of the film was to win her over... I don't know if that's the direction they wanted to go because I kind of like how it ends up, but I think Love Sick Gamora
0: plays well for about half a film. And they got out of that about the time they did. And I think they, they wrestled a lot and milked a lot of conflict and mm-hmm. energy from that. I'm good with that. Yeah. I don't want to watch. Yeah. Gamora and Quill love each other the whole film. I like it unrequited.
1: We always jokingly said that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three was the, the search for Gamora. The search for Gamora, yeah. and to an extent, they 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 kind of get there, but it's yeah. it doesn't consume the whole film, and I think to its benefit. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but yeah, they they ignite this thing, and and they do a kind of like a cool, interesting, like little switch here, where Quill, Rocket, no no Quill, Groot, and. Someone, no, it's, maybe it's just Quill and Groot. They end up at the ship, and then Nebula, Drax, and Mantis are stuck on the ship. So that's mm-hmm. ascending into the space, and they're like, "Oh crap!" Like we're like, we don't have like everyone together here, so we got to put some sort of rescue operation together. And we get to the moment, right? I mean, so like we, we got the guy, right? Well, the uh, Quill and Groot, Lobot, yeah, they go is. they go and meet the High Evolutionary, and they they learn a little bit about his nefarious plans and what he's done to this planet. And what he's done to our lovable rocket here, Mm -hmm. but they, they grab this guy. They, 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 they they glide, they, they land on him Mm -hmm. into the ground, but extract his little head memory chip. So they at least have the information. So it's up to scanning the codes to get there before rocket meets his end is landing on that guy. Yeah.
0: Too cruel on brand for the guardians. This will, see, this is what I'm getting at. And we're going to yeah. get to the corridor scene in a minute, which I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. Guardians unloading, unloading on this cockroach army. Is that off brand for them? To me, that's really odd. They wouldn't crush. That guy's not innocent, but he's kind of innocent. Yeah. Like, it's just, Jesse, it's so violent and there's so much sure, carnage. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something before we get into the rest yeah. of this. So we took my basketball team, mm-hmm. which is fourth through sixth graders, to mm-hmm. see this after we played last weekend. Yeah. And about two thirds of the way through the film, Dan, who's been on the show with us, he's my assistant coach, yeah. says to me, Matt, I don't think we should have brought the girls to this. And I kind of looked at him and thought, I'm not really, and I'm not that guy. I'm sure. not censor. I am, I am the last thing in the world is that guy. I'm yeah. the guy like, she's 10. She can watch it. It's just the exercise. You know, I'm not, not really, but you know, <laughs> yeah, what I, mean. I
1: know what you mean. Yeah.
0: And I kind of was like, yeah, damn, this is really, really violent. Sure. And yeah, I'm a, man, I, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm maybe ever, mm-hmm. since a Marvel movie has put me in a space where I'm like, this is just pushing it too far beyond... Like, the snap was violent, but the snap was like comic book violence. This yeah, is I'm squish, with, blood, I'm, guts. I'm
1: with you, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, obviously,
0: I'm saying I don't like it, but I'm not saying it doesn't entirely work in the film, but it gets back to that word again, angry. It just feels... Sure. Yeah. This, then this is my question. Okay, this is what I want to get to you. I'll just yeah. do it now. Is James Gunn pissed that he's being... About what Marvel did to him, how they brought him back, and what he's doing. So on the way out the door, he's middle finger like all of you.
1: There's a good chance. Do
0: you think? Possibly. Because I, I kind of thought, I think this is James Gunn and Marvel Feige. Right here, suck this. Watch me go slay at DC, right? Watch me ruin your sweet little raccoon. Watch me take, watch this. <clears throat> and on the way out the door, I'm going to leave this franchise to where I don't know, show you where you're going to go with it. Because
1: I built this shit, and I'm out. That's interesting. I can see it, you know. I can too. Have I ever told you my deep rooted theory on Spider-Man 3? Oh, I can't. No, here, tell me. Which was 3 like yeah, Carnage no, and no, no, Venom? No, yeah, do no, you know do you remember? Yeah, so the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 3 uh-huh. with Venom and yeah, Sandman. Yeah. yeah. Because he just wanted to have Sandman and then wrap up his Goblin storyline with uh Harry Osborn. This is Raimi. Yeah. And Avi Arad and Sony was like, you have to put Venom in this film because he's the fan favorite. Mm. And Sam Raimi was like, no, I don't really understand that character. I don't understand, you know, how it fits into what we've established. I don't want to do that. I think it's one of the really good examples of self-sabotage on a film. Mm. I think he did it on
0: purpose. That's interesting.
1: Because he, it was forced upon him i'm so done with this franchise
0: i'm never coming back so watch what i'm going to do on the way out or the door. wasn't
1: the story he wanted to tell right yeah studio interference so next time go watch spider-man 3 with that mindset i think some of that might be in play
0: Jesse, i think you're right because there's no way you make those first two films that are as masterfully done as those are and then you come to like dancing in black peter parker and topher grace as eddie i, I think you might be yeah, right
1: yeah 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 uh, Peter dancing to James Brown, emo Spider Man has to be just like, we're we're doing it, we're doing it. You wanted me to do it,
0: so here we go. Double single fingered salute, the Ramy one fingered salute.
1: I would love to talk about that film one day for all of those reasons, but I think you're on to something. That yeah, I think James Gunn is like, yeah, yeah. I establish this, and you know, especially watching those other two films, I think DC. You know, the Suicide Squad. You know. Didn't get the most glowing review from us when we did that a couple years ago, but I think Marvel's very foolish to let this guy go from their bullpen, right? I think Is he, it their choice or his choice? Uh, I don't know. The yeah. tr- truth is, I am
0: with you on that. They yeah. need to hang on to him.
1: Yeah, because I think he's an interesting director and voice that at least peppers some personality in these films that is completely devoid in nearly everything that they do. I think that's a good take by you on the Sam Raimi thing. There's no way that a
0: guy that made those two films just decided, I'm going to make this decision, this decision, and then looking back at it behind the scenes, storytelling of Spider-Man three, he Mm -hmm. says, yeah, I just really made a huge mistake. No, he didn't. That's what young beginning directors do. Not, I think you're right. Yeah. Just like, I'm like, you want it
1: here's how I'm going to give it to you, right? You want Venom, I'm going to give you Poison. Because his thing was always, I understood the 60s and the 70s version of Spider-Man because that's what I grew up with and that's what I read. I didn't read this Venom shit that you're talking about that is the fan favorite, whatever. So yeah, I, like that was his version of how to put it together. You know, it's very fascinating to go back and, and check that out. So Interesting. Yeah, so we're getting to that moment now. So we have the kill switch code. We have Rocket on the thing. In between we've got a little bit more of his backstory of uh, you know the high evolutionary is going to gas all the animals and so Rocket tries to plan like a little like breakout mission but this the high evolutionary catches him and essentially wastes Teeth Mr. Tusk and Floor, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of knew it was going there but it's I got to say it's pretty sad. It's just it's you know when when does Rocket get a win, man? Yeah. Like ever? Yeah. And we couple that with him on the slab and he flatlines and he goes to the weird, I, I like to call it like the Harry Potter heaven space. Do you remember when Harry died in the deathly hollows yep. and him and Volder or, uh, Dumbledore are a Dumbledore, like in that white corridor. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So rocket gets his own white corridor moment with <laughs> teeth saying like, Hey, like here's the, we're here for that last like journey with you. And it looks like, Oh my God, like they're going to do it. They're going to go there. They're going to kill this character. And they're able to kind of like get some life out of him and they cut back to the otter and she goes, but not, it's not your time yet. Yeah. Right. And then this is the moment, right? It's like, you got Chris Pratt as Quill. He's like screaming at the top of his lungs for like this inanimate, like raccoon object. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. And this is the moment that almost broke me. It was when rocket came to and had the mask on and was like breathing like air for the first time in like days. Uh, Quill goes and like hugs him and then like group came around and like hugged over the both of them. I tell you, I almost lost it. It's good. It was a good moment and earned. I think. Uh, yes. I won't disagree with any, any of that. Guardians one and two. That's all the time spent with these characters that we care what happens to them. And the fact that we almost, almost got there was it, it almost got to me. I thought, and it's like I said, Chris Pat Pratt's finest acting moment. I thought, I thought he did really, really great in this scene.
0: And, okay, yes, and on-brand with what Groot would do.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: This gets to a conversation that we'll have about the end of the film for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm with you. Like, okay, finally, the team is back together. Everybody's ready to go, and now let's get it on. Mm -hmm. It's a release, too, because I think there's been a lot of tension up to this point with the high evolutionary, and mostly Rocket. Yeah, So you can let your guard down a little bit, and then we get... No Sleep Till Brooklyn, The Return of Our Heroes, Bring It On.
1: What do you think of that? I kind of exactly. like it. Kinda... I'm
0: with that. I love that album. And I would buy that his mom would put that song on one of the mixtapes. Not some of the especially not Space Hog in the meantime. But No Sleep Till Brooklyn, I buy.
1: Yeah, pretty cool. Uh yeah. So they get on the ship, uh in the in between we have that moment with Drax where he talks to these kids and they're going to plan the escape craglin and cosmo they that we're bringing nowhere here cuz we're essentially going to like duck the planet or the moon or the whatever nowhere it is i don't even know what it is floating city
0: isn't it ahead of an eternal
1: yes i think that's right actually uh so we're going to duck that with the high evolutionary ship and we're just going to transfer over we're essentially going to do uh temple of doom uh slave kids right yeah and, yeah, we get the team back on this dock, and we do no sleep till Brooklyn. And it, Rocket gets the moment, right? It was just like, here, let's get off this ship. We got everyone. Let's go. And Rocket goes, I'm done running because mm-hmm. uh, he has unfinished business, right? Mm-hmm. And we get this moment of them walking out. And I love Gamora's reaction of, like, it's like the hero walkout to this Beastie Boys song. And she just kind of, like, rolls her eyes and just like, I guess. Uh, okay. Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> yes. Uh, I think are pretty cool, and they're wearing like their comic accurate suits from the comics, right? This is the first time we've seen like this, like blue and red garb with like this, like Guardians logo mm-hmm. on it. Pretty cool, I think. I think I think we're in some pretty good space here. And then we get this. Go ahead. Are you okay with the Mantis
0: undressing Nebula bit that happened to this prior to this when Mantis lets Nebula have you hate everyone? Are you are you okay with that? Well, but. Or I, kind of explain it to me because I kind of forgotten about it. Um around the time Drax decides to father or act as the father figure for these kids, we get that moment where Nebula pops off in a shitty way, and like Drax and Nebula and Mantis are all kind of going at it. Okay, yeah. And Nebula calls Drax stupid. Yeah. And Mantis says, Yes, he is stupid, which is so angry and mean. And at this point, I've got my issues with Drax anyway after what he did on that planet, Counter-Earth. But they're ripping Drax a new one. I don't know if Drax is... I don't know if that's the right word. I don't think Drax is dumb. I think Drax is singularly focused. I don't think that's a dumb character. Yeah, but okay, yeah. fine. So whatever. Yeah. We're making fun of Drax, which hasn't happened and he's, he's due. He's way past. If you can dish it out, you can take it. But we get into this whole... You're an idiot, Nebula, calling Drax. All of these terrible, terrible names referencing his mental capacity to where Mantis, and I get Mantis would come to Drax's aid because they're kind of a couple without being a couple. Yeah. Just let Nebula have it in this angry 45-second, it felt like, monologue that is on par Mm -hmm. with Cary Grant and (laughs) Catherine Hepburn in the Philadelphia story, The Ice Queen Melteth. Yeah. I was like, it finished and I looked over at Dan and I was like, bullshit. Yeah. There's no way Mantis would say that. What saves it a tiny bit is Mantis touches Drax's face yeah. and makes him forget all of these terrible things that they have said about him. Because even Mantis agrees. He is dumb, but he's kind of the one in the group that makes us laugh. So Well,
1: if that's the if that's the play, right, is to call out Drax's intelligence as just being this muscle bound idiot, right? It kind of is, yes. In a way, they kind of pay that off with the moment I was talking about, which is he's the only one that understands this language that they're speaking and is yeah. able to kind of
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of quell the kids and they, they start laughing with him and they kind of ease their tension a little bit. So okay. in a way that kind of pays off that moment, but you know, I guess if that's Mantis's time to shine, I guess, I guess so. I guess it's just par for the course, right? It's just <laughs> angry Mantis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: In short, angry Mantis. And again, I thought, gosh, we've worked, yeah, film and a half, if you do just Guardians, but lots of appearances of Mantis up to this. And I think we've undone what you've worked so hard to build with Mantis. And that's going to be my problem with a lot of the rest of this movie. hmm uh again not a deal breaker and not something that made me say oh what a waste and you know i can't believe that they would take this character that i cared so much about and look mantis has had plenty of shots Mantis, watch out you're hideous i mean there's been a lot of shit that's been said about mantis they call her the bug yeah um i just really found myself calling BS on that conversation that she would have. Nebula would say that. Yeah. Nebula would say that. Mantis wouldn't respond like that. And honestly, I don't know if Drax would care. Mm-hmm. Again, this is all subtext. It doesn't have a lot to do with the story. I just. Interesting I moment. Bring it I'll have
1: to watch that, yeah, that again and then kind of pay better attention to that. <laughs> the specifics of that, but. I mean, if this is the last go round, I mean, she better get it all out while well she can, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, no one's ever, other than like Gamora to an extent, no one's ever really, like, really tried to put like Nebula in check, right? True. Like Kind of like give her a little bit back of what she's spewing out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you yeah, will have to. I'll have to go check out that 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 little piece there. But we're all on the ship. We're all fighting gleepclops. They they do that fun little. I appreciate the effort. This kind of one take in the corridor, because you know I love the just one singular mm-hmm. like Goodfellas Copacabana shot, right? Yeah. But like this is done in the computer; it's manipulated, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a chance to see just all all of them one last time, one last hurrah, one last dance, and again, it's all fodder, right? It's all just just cannon fodder with with the villain. But I thought it was I thought it was fun to see them just utilize each other as a unit, as a team, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay with it at, at this point. You know, we're trying to get the kids off. We're trying to get to the high evolutionary. And I think we know what the goals are, right? This has been a lot of
0: stuff that I've read about this movie and the accolades that are bestowed upon this sequence, which is the Guardians showing their Guardian best as they wipe out the cockroach fodder, I guess created by the hev- the high evolutionary in a failed perfect society based on cockroach, what is going on, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's get to the action bit. It was very John Wick.
2: Yeah.
0: Hyper. I can't believe that I'm about to say this. Hyper violent. Slaughter. For me and my beliefs of the Guardians and what they do, completely off brand. Completely. I'll give you this. Although Yondu is not around anymore, Mm -hmm. I would argue, and maybe the second to third most powerful weapon in all of the Marvel universe is that that whistle arrow that he has. in Guardians 2. <laughs> and when that thing is zipping around and it's just wiping out Ravager after Ravager, yeah. Taserface, and all of those people. Mm-hmm. Taserface! Taserface! <laughs> yeah. They're going down yeah. left and right, but we don't really see it. Yeah, You come to realize, and that arrow's probably just killed 200 people. Okay, that's pretty violent. Sure. When we get big destruction sequences like the guardians versus um, the sovereign. Yeah. The sovereign are still safe because they're using pods at a distant location. They're just basically destroying their, their, their drones. Their AI. Yeah. This is really life that they are laying waste to in a corridor full of a fleshy mass of carnage that I honestly Mm -hmm. can't think I've seen in a singular Marvel movie at all. And I don't know if Guardians was the right play for me on this. Yeah. it he- shot well. It's choreographed really well. It just turned into John Wick for five minutes.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> only way I can justify it is I, I think this high evolutionary has it coming, right? It's just sure. like if we're going to be like, hey, we got a guy we got to like, we're just, there's no negotiating this guy. We're taking him down. He just wiped out a planet that would just with no remorse, right? Yeah. So the hell with it, right? Let's 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 take him out. So that that's the way I can kind of see it playing out in that in that extent. And then here I like I am I'm really curious. I'm like, okay, how's this gonna play out? Like what's gun got up his sleeve? Is is Quill gonna bite the bullet? Is Rocket still not safe? He's still wandering around on this ship. And when he sees all the little baby raccoons and they like all mm-hmm. get on him, I'm like, oh good God, like this isn't gonna end well. And here comes the high evolutionary, and they get into a little fisty cuffs. And then I think in a good team moment, again, it's about to get really gruesome here for you in a second, Yeah. <laughs> but as a Guardians team, I think they dispatch the High Evolutionary together Yeah. as the Guardians really well. Better than Ronin or Ego. Yes.
0: yes. Really? Yeah,
1: I think so. Wow. Yeah. I think if this is the moment, if this is the, the final team moment, I think this is pretty good because you know think back to ego i mean at the end it was kind of quill quill the ego right and then i think it it is pretty cool when they wield the power stone to dispatch ronan the accuser yeah but i think this is pretty good and it shot in this like kind of like interesting like uh cylindrical corridor and we got all of them and all the all the friends we've picked up along the way nebula's here and mantis is here and here's weird uh Second timeline Gamora and this Gleep Glop and yeah this other Gleep Glop. and Adam yeah yeah well yeah let's all do it as a yeah I really I I liked it and then when they demasked this guy who mm-hmm. I was horrified I was like whoa I was like that's pretty gruesome they know for you and your kind of hypothesis of the film. Yeah, I thought this really pushed the envelope. Not to the extent of Quill dropped the first F-bomb in the MCU earlier when Man- oh, when Nebula couldn't open the door. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you know, just, you know, me it's like, I'm seeing the movie and just, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen, you know, the Poughkeepsie tapes and whatnot, you know, like, it takes a lot to rattle me. So I'm, I'm going with it, but I don't know, maybe your theory of man, James Gunn, just like, I'm giving you an F-bomb. I'm giving you a demasked masked face guy. Like I'm giving you the works at the, in this final chapter, possibly. I just, maybe if I hadn't been, what did you think of that guy's like skull skin face? When we saw Rocket jump
0: him earlier after he had killed Rocket's friends oh, and, and begin the thrashing on his face, mm-hmm. I kind of deduced, oh, my God. And then you start to make sense out of why he's got um, that. Ro- Robocop face. Yeah. To take it off. Uh, again, really pushing the envelope of maybe this could have arguably been an R-rated film, <laughs> which is absurd to say. Wild. and. I'm not being some poly... No, I know. I am not a Pollyanna. Anyone listening to this podcast is not like, oh, Matt, so G... I'm not. Especially, you know,
1: I'm, I'm with you, especially watching one and two. Yes. And then this. This is definitely doing other things that those other two didn't do. Go back to like in two, right? When the Ravagers
0: show up to attack Rocket and Groot, and I think it's Nebula. And he sets up Southern Nights by... Uh, God, that Campbell. scene
1: is so good.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, it, that scene is, scene is amazing. Is so good. <laughs> and he's picking up these Ravagers and dropping them 300 feet. But they all live. Okay, they're not going to live if... They, I get the physics of it. Mm-hmm. But if that happened in this film, there would just be these bloody masses of, of humanity strewn about the forest floor, impaled on trees... Blood and Guts, like it just is tonally very, very different than any of these films. Go back to how Ego was destroyed. It's a silly brain that's floating there that we see blow up. I can't think of a single time we've watched maybe Ronan melt in the first one, where we've seen the Guardians go through and actually, actually, sorry, dismember. Yeah. And the high evolutionary has it coming. Let's talk about him for one second. Do you? Th- I get that he's a bad guy. Yeah. Is his power to emit blue lasers from his body to blow people back? Because that feels very quantum mania kangish to me. Was he doing that? He did do that. Yeah, I don't remember. Like the wave of like, <laughs> boom, blow you back.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because he blew rocket against the wall, right? Yeah. What did you
0: call it? Front. What I want to say. Front see. forward. I said full frontal. Different, different kind of blow it forward. Yeah. Um, front forward. Yeah, power. Still. C- Okay. Yeah, I don't know where he got that power. I don't know if he has that power at all. Yeah, I don't know. Again, back to what I said earlier: Mm -hmm. if the three mini bosses that he created in those chambers are still left, and they're really tough and large, yeah, that's a better fight. Yeah, that's for all of the things we said. The guardians may not be able to take down this or this. The guardians wipe out the high evolutionary, like, yeah, like that. That the guy's a pussy. Yeah, he's a total pussy. Yeah,
1: he's got nothing. I like it because it's just, I I, I like that it's just like this, it's a collective takedown, right? Oh, yeah, no, the team team element, absolutely, sure, absolutely. This is an interesting conversation, yeah, like, yeah, we're demasking this guy, and when he's there with his, like, missing nose, and, like, I was, yeah. I I, I almost
0: wonder, and it's not that we don't have enough to watch. Yeah. This might be something that maybe you and I go revisit again
1: together. Yeah, I think that would be good. Just to sit down and just go through it again. Yeah, journey through it again and see if some things play better than others or if yeah, we more more cognizant of other things, but I'm with you on this and then so they wipe out this guy, the ship's crashing, they're docked with nowhere, we're getting the kitties off and then I guess Cosmos, the one thing in this film that really didn't work for me. I like Cracklin in the second film. I thought he was an interesting mm-hmm. like kind of like uh uh yandu foil. Yeah. Uh, him learning the arrow, I mean, I could have done without that. Yeah, and then cares. the stuff with the dog, like good dog, bad dog, whatever the hell. Yeah. But like the dog's like docking the ship with her... Men- I, again, I don't know what the do- that dog's powers is, yep. mental capacity, but... They're getting the kids off, and then it's like, no, but Rocket's like, we got to get these, we got to get these animals off, like, please for me, do this. Yeah. So they do it. Very Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. We got the, the the pet store's burning. We got to get these animals off. Ouch. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, who's not going to get out of here on time? And for a moment here, it looks like, oh man, Quill's odd man out, right? And I think he does a pretty interesting thing, which is he grabs this like kind of like oxygen hose. Slides underneath all this debris, and then floats himself into space, and then like is like holding the hose, and then at the last possible moment lets it go, and that spray of oxygen is gonna blow him to nowhere. But it like doesn't get him close enough. And I'm thinking for a moment, I'm like, Quill's toast. He's done, right? He's just like he can't just be hanging out in space over there. And Groot, poor Groot, is like his roots trying, yeah, <laughs> go long enough. Uh, but who get is it Adam that gets him?
0: Adam Warlock, yeah, and that really weird Renaissance art.
1: Oh yeah, hey, <laughs> yeah. fingers touching each yeah. other,
0: man to God,
1: and yeah.
0: yeah, brings him back, and so I guess we're
1: <clears throat> get him to the med bay, man.
0: You get him to the med bay because his face is all stretched out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peter's been in that situation a couple of times where he's been adrift in space with no
1: help and he's been bailed out a couple of times. I don't know if a human can survive that. Not even right. for five seconds. Because in the first one, remember he removes his mask and gives it to Gamora. I'm thinking he's dead. Dead, <laughs> right. yeah. But they got a—they got interesting tech out here in space that just, I guess, <laughs> revives you from moments close to death. Well, you could just go back in time and fix it. Now let's talk about, we're wrapping... Sh- yeah, exactly, right? We just, I've never done that We before. can undo this whole everything, right? Yeah. Let's talk about where everyone ends up here in the the final moment. So let's leave Quill for the very end, but let's talk about I guess what the new guardians would be because they kind of have like a like a team meeting and quill's like, guys, yeah. I'm out. I'm mm-hmm. out. I like I maybe I need to go rediscover my roots. Go because th- there has been conversations about his grandfather that you know what from the grandfather's perspective. What did that guy go through? He saw his daughter die of cancer and then his grandson uh, just missing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know the aliens took him. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So what went through his mind during all that time, but he's just like, I'm out. If like, if you guys want to continue this, that's, you know, and I, I really appreciate he's like, I can't see a better leader than you rocket. Right. Yeah. This moment for you to kind of claim that. And, We've kind of established that Nebula is going to stay behind. Obviously, Groot, right? Because him and Rocket are like this. Drax, and now we have Adam Warlock, who is motherless, yep. <laughs> just, just kind of aloof in in space. And then Kraglin, right? Kraglin's mm-hmm. mastered the the arrow at this point. He mm-hmm. kind of has his moment. And yeah, this this will will be Hulk our, Groot. Yeah, yeah, King Groot. Oh, he's gigantic, terrifying, right? Yeah, yeah in the post-credit scene. Yeah, what do you think of this? I don't think we're going to get another Guardians of the Galaxy film, but I think these characters will show up in Secret Wars yeah. or Kang, and I'm okay with it. I'll, I'll watch them another another go-around.
0: I am too, because I need to get um, back to good places with where I was prior to some of this film. Oh, and Drax is there too. So I guess let's do each one of them. Mm-hmm. There's no part of me that believes in any way, shape, or form that Drax dances. And here's what is a huge mistake. He doesn't need to. Yeah, I would argue that because of what you said. If you're trying to humanize the brute, who I've argued was cruel, bully-like, you've done that by turning him into the father figure that speaks the language of these evolutionary kids. Mm-hmm. They've already done that. They've already humanized him. No way Drax dances. And what you do when you cause him to dance, in my opinion is deconstruct a character that has been really well built through about two and a half films as bad as it is for drax to dance nebula dancing it is even worse
1: was she dancing yes okay. it's even like
0: a head bob nothing okay. like she's not busting a move but yeah. she's got the little All right. to All right. the no way yeah no way can we let rocket dance rocket would dance okay and i and obviously grew would dance and you know what Rocket gets? Rocket gets the final shot of this film again. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he should because they decided that's their choice. Sure, yeah. It's going to be his film. And why not? Yeah. Why not? Make it his film. The strength of Guardians for me in an ensemble film, which is really hard to do and something that you have toiled, you and I have toiled at for hours,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is to create a different persona for each of the members of the team. Weapons expert, strategist, committee relief, mystic, whatever it might be. Okay, that sounds like pig nation, doesn't it? Yeah. I think for two and a half films, this series really, really did that. But to a degree, they even kind of fuck up Groot. And what I'm going to argue is, when Groot puts his arms branches around Peter and Rocket and embraces them, Mm -hmm. you don't need his final part in this, which was him... Vin Diesel actually saying... I love you all, or... He would never, ever, ever say that. Yeah. That's cheap, bullshit, <laughs> Hockneyed, crapola. We get it. Of course he loves them. Mm-hmm. And if you change the, the... Vin Diesel's done such a good job of taking those three words and interjecting them with syllabic
1: accents to make you feel what he, I forgot how good baby Groot was. Do you remember that scene in part two when they uh they have the detonator? Yeah. And Rock is trying to teach him, okay, like Get some tape. It. I don't and, have any tape. And he's like, I am Groot. I am I am Groot. I am Groot. No. Yes, <laughs> yes. I forgot about that whole tape business, like, hey, ask them that they get some tape. They don't got they do like a minute and a half bit of quill asking all the guardians that they have tape. I I died. I
0: love it too. I thought
1: that was hilarious.
0: So yeah. you finish with with Groot finally mastering sure, yeah. "I love you," yeah. rocket dancing, I actually buy that. Mm-hmm. Drax, I, no way, and and totally unnecessary. You don't need to do it. Nebula, absolutely not. What and about? here's the other one: the Khaleesi. I mean, Mantis, yeah, taking her space dragons and heading off and far. Come on, like you want to break up the team? Break it up. That's fine. But like yeah. now she's now she's the Khaleesi. had I, I I was at this point. I was like, "Now I'm ready to be done." Like,
1: I'm. I was. It's a good thing the movie's almost done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that that one didn't bother me too much. I like how they end the the Gamora Quill thing, where she just rejoins the Ravagers. Good with that. I'm good with that one. It's kind of like a interesting parting, but like we've alluded to, it's like Quill realizing it's not her anymore. Time to move on. Yeah. No, I'm good with that, and I'm actually good with his too. Yeah. Yeah, and his is, his is, like, very, like, cast away, like, I'm returning to a, a home I've never, I haven't been to in a while, and to, like, re-embrace his grandfather. Same actor from the original Guardians film. Yeah. And he, like, knows who it is instantly, right? I think that, I thought that was pretty cool. It was sweet. It was, it, it felt right, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then Rocket's the final shot of the film. Again, my argument, the soul of this team, I mean, everything's kind of gone through him, and he's seen the most action of any of these characters because mm-hmm. he had to live through the whole End Game saga, right? Mm-hmm. He was point. an integral part of figuring that shit out. I, and you know what? And to Rocket's credit, I don't think Rocket ever was like, oh, let's do time travel. No, he's just like, no, like, I'll figure out the machinery along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's seen some shit. Yeah, and we end on, on him, and then we have two credit scenes. We have, I guess, the new Guardians, which is Rocket, Drex. Kraglin. Kraglin. Nebula. Nebula. And Groot. And, yeah, King Groot. And the dog? Cosmo, yeah. And, yeah, they, they got, they're on some planet, and there's some sort of, like, crazy army, and, like, yeah, we kind of see them, s- see what they're going to do going forward. It's kind of a cool little team moment. I didn't think Groot's, like, the size of King Kong, man. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> Interesting. So, like, kind of what, what's that going to look like going forward? I guarantee you this is not the last. We will see them in Secret Wars or Kang Dynasty. Like, we'll we'll need them, right? Yeah. You'll need a little rocket intermachinations at some point. You'll mm-hmm. need him to figure out some sort of machinery.
2: Yeah.
1: Because uh, Peter will be off somewhere else doing his own little side quest, right? Unearth, mowing the lawn, which is the second scene, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so we got Quill and his... I kind of like this, too. I I did, too. I kind of liked how him and his grandfather are having breakfast or having some kicks, and (laughs) yeah, they're kind of gossiping about how, like, the neighbor's boy won't mow the lawn, right? And he's, like, 40 years old. Oh, don't get me started. Now I really want to know. He's like, I kind of like that. It was pretty good. Yeah. And then it ends with the legendary Star-Lord will return. Yeah. So... Their films are done, but the characters, I think, have a little bit more life left in them, and I think I'm I'm thankful for that. I am, too. Yeah. I think they're going to need, going forward, whatever is going to happen with Kang and the Fantastic Four and the uh, Secret Wars is going to be gigantic. Yes. I kind of need a little Guardians quadrant in there, and I I like that they left them around, and I think... For the most part, gave them a a, a good closing. For the most part, okay, okay. But we'll talk a little bit about that in the nightcap, and then what things look like going forward. But what's your favorite tasting note of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three?
0: I'm maybe surprised I'm going to say this, but I think it's actually where I am after the show. I think it might have been the visit to that organic planet. I was really really uncomfortable and grossed out by it it's i've never seen that before Mm -hmm. inner space (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've never seen that i think that was a really interesting rendition of a world we had yet to see built especially when you consider kind of to a smaller degree that's what they did with ego now his is more rocks and stalagmites and stalactites and crust you know but getting into the construction of the organic material and using that as from the walls to the floor. Cause like, even when they walked in, it was like, yeah, squishy, like squishy skin. <laughs> yeah. I think that was, I thought that, that bit was really, really well done.
1: I think so too. I think, I think that was, that, that was pretty good. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the, like, you know, you had some issues with it, but I did like that hallway shot, right? The guardians assemble one last time. Let's show what our powers are that are normal, right? I mean, we're just have guns. We just have kind of regular powers, knives and swords, but we're going to work collectively as a team kind of one last time. And yeah, them coming out to beastie boys, which I th- I, th- I thought that fit really well. Right. Yeah, yeah. No sleep till Brooklyn. Right. And then rocket leading the charge, mm-hmm. this little talking raccoon, who, when Guardians got pitched years ago, was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a movie with the, like a talk, the talking raccoon in it. How's that gonna work?" Mm-hmm. Well, here we are, right? Here, yeah. Now, what is the
2: Mantis? Look out!
1: Moment of Guardians of the Galaxy. Is that, War? "Oh my god!" Or is that funniest? So that's one of the finest moments in this entire trilogy.
0: Oh. Um, You know, I think I'm going to have to go with the hallway scene, too, just because I still now, and I've, I've thought about it quite a bit. We've talked about it there on the show. I've talked about it at home. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how I want to process that still. It definitely is on my mind. I think it's choreographed nicely, and I buy the space and, and where everyone is in relationship to their opposition. It's just such a wild deviation for me tonally from what I expected from that film. And that's not fair, too, because I've bitched up and down about, up oh, formulaic Marvel, A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. This is not. Yeah. It's not. It's not A, B, C, or D. This is A, B, yogurt.
1: Yeah. I so, guess that feels a little refreshing, right? Or not so, just... Yeah, yeah so I,
0: I mean, I can't sit here with a straight face and tell you, oh, I'm upset about that when I've complained about it for some time. Mm-hmm. But um, that scene, that bit has really
1: left me perplexed. Interesting. Yeah, mine's going to be that moment, rocket flatlining on the slab, and then that final embrace is... Mm-hmm. You ready for this? Mm. It's my favorite moment in any of these three films. So I thing. couldn't like I told you, like it takes a lot for film to to break me and really get under my skin of those like emotions. And I think I just I there's a lot invested in these characters, right? Five and a half-ish films, a lot of journeys and side quests, and yeah, them giving Groot or Rocket a little hug there and kind of knowing it was okay at that moment. Yeah, that was pretty powerful, right? That was that was James Gunn firing on all cylinders. And kind of Gamora off on the side, kind of not knowing how to like interact with that, fit her character, right? I mean, it fit who that version of the character was. The outsider. Even regular timeline Gamora, I don't even know if she would go for the hug as well, right? Mm-hmm. It felt like those two people. And to Chris Pratt's credit, I mean, I think he's really good in that scene. Good. Hey, oh, who's the Master Distiller on? Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. I think it is Chris Pratt for me in
0: this one. Um, The ethos and the pathos that are playing in him with losing his best friend and losing his girlfriend and trying to square everything that's happened post-blip, because this is really, other than a moment in Love and Thunder, the first time we've seen them post-blip. They may as
1: well not even been in that movie. Yeah, exactly.
0: He's got a lot of emotional stuff to work through, and I think that he does a pretty good job with pretty high stakes, which is the life of his friend. So, I'm going to give it to Pratt. I think he delivers. I don't, I like him, I think, more than you do. Yeah. But,
1: um, well, it's just like, you know, his, you know, off the screen, overly Christian persona, which, hey, if you're good with God, that's you. But, like, it just, it kind of just, it kind of finds a way to leak into these movies, right? hmm. Um, I did like him. I liked, I liked him more as like goofy, like Parks and Rec Chris Pratt, but. (laughs) I thought he was really good in this movie. Yeah. I thought his performance was really well. And it, it, a lot, honestly, honest to God, the Jurassic World stuff really soured me on the Pratt, man. It's just like those movies are just so trash. Yeah. And like, it's just like his, he just, he's, he offers nothing in those movies. Nope. So, I, yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought that was in that moment, I thought he was really good. Good choice. Yours. Bradley Cooper with a bullet. It was just voice work right i mean how often do we get to applaud like a vocal performance but it's so nuanced it it feels like cooper but it, it feels like rocket right i mean he's a, a lived in a fully lived in breathing character at this point point. Mm-hmm. and i really like that that extends to the ride where he voices an animatronic rocket that guides you through the pre-show of the ride right yeah I think he's really good, and if this was, like, what they were building to, which was revealing a little more of his origin, he has a lot to play with here with this character in this film, and I really like Bradley Cooper as an actor and a director, you know, listen to our Star is Born episode, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, I think he's pretty terrific in this, and he showed up to the premiere of this film in black slacks and, like, just, like, a regular, like, sweater, (laughs) like... You just look like a regular dude. Cashed out. Yeah, it was so cashed out. I, I loved it. It was it was it was a great just regular dude look. He's lovable, isn't he? Yeah. Really is. He's playing this Oscar season. He's doing like a Leonard Bernstein biopic. Wow. He looks unrecognizable. Written in or starring and directed by him. That's gonna kill. Yeah, we might have to check that out. Mm-hmm. How are you going to rate and grade Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? We have Rocket, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Well, plus
0: for me. Um, I was pretty disappointed in it. Again, I know I, we talked about maybe going and viewing it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in the lower, I don't even want to say third. I'd say lower quarter of Marvel films for me. And I can't say that the film is made poorly because that's not accurate. It's entirely personal, I suppose. And the story that I pitched you is the story that I wanted. Mm-hmm. The high evolutionary helping figure out what went wrong with Adam, because that's the key to me building the perfect society and rocket holds that key. That kind of happens in this regardless, just not the way that I wanted add to it. Some of the odd directorial choices that maybe are James Gunn saying, I can't wait to never work with you again. Marvel. Um, I kind of found maybe.
1: Well, remember also too to your argument that he was like kind of like pseudo canceled and then uncanceled right right, right? over those
0: allegations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they kicked him out. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes, that's what. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. Well, plus for me, a little bit less, a little bit
1: below average. To this film's argument. to our history together, I do remember a conversation we had about the first Guardians when mm-hmm. you went to see it and were not the biggest fan. Yeah. I'll admit that. You're right. And in years past have kind of like come up come around to it, right?
0: Same thing with number two as well.
1: Yeah. So maybe this one has a little bit of that as so I think some reappraisal you it might have to be revisited. That's what yeah. So no, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, call Plus, very single barrel minus territory. I thought this was, you know, for a conclusion, I thought it was very suitable for this, you know, trilogy. I thought it, it was pretty good revisiting the other two and then going into this one. Yeah, I had a good time watching it. I thought it was funny. I, I wasn't off-put by the violence because I was just like, whatever. But maybe you're just like, man, this is a little gruesome for the this the, these people that we brought to the movie, right? Yeah but yeah, I thought some of the decisions were a little perplexing, but I think rocket remained paramount for me. Uh, and I really thought a lot about his character and his journey and it, it it fit for me. Like I said, the Florence and the machine song at the end doesn't work, but I like that there was some wins and some levity for this team that has really seen some crazy shit. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I thought it was fun. and I, my, my big takeaway was Marvel. How could you just let, how can you let James Gunn go at this point for a singular voice in these 20, we got to be 30 films in at this point. How do you let this guy go? Like the Russo brothers, everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, that might come back to bite him a little bit later, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm curious to see what James Gunn's DC looks like. It could be, Less dour and less uh, snidery than it might be the right balance that we've been looking for. So, has he been
0: announced to what he's going to do for them yet?
1: Well, he's there. He's essentially their Feige. Him and David Zaslav, or or no, Peter Safran, mm-hmm. are the stewards of the new DC films. Really, the Safran Company, Peter Safran. I think wow. so. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think I told you one time they're doing like a HBO Max show, which is soon to be called at the end of this month. It's just going to be called Max. Because uh, of their it's discovery. It's it's a whole thing. But they're doing like a Green Lantern show that was pitched as like True Detective with Green Lantern, which sounds awesome to let's me. Let's go. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. And they're going to do a Swamp Thing and they're going to do Batman Brave and the Bold, Superman Legacy. Like they're going to go into some interesting territory. And yeah, I guess it, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Sure. Let's do that. Yeah. So yeah. To the Guardians. To the Guardians. Yeah. Let's wrap this up with our nightcap.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. Now I'm craving your body. Is this real? Temperatures rising. I don't want to feel I'm in the wrong place to be real.
1: You a fan of Earthwood and Fire? Yeah, I am. It's my parents' favorite band, so I've been exposed to them my entire life. I've seen them four times in concert. Oh, wow. Some of the most talented musicians I've ever witnessed, like bassists, guitarists, but like singing prowess. That's Philip Bailey, you know, providing the vocals there, and he had a pretty good solo career himself, but... It's a good balance of like disco, soul, rock, and they got horns, man. They got mm-hmm. some horns that we like. So when that I think that song played in the film when they approached the the, the planet, right? The yep. the goo planet.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, what a great addition. I was like, we haven't had Earth, Wind and Fire on this soundtrack before, so good choice. Hit us with that nightcap. Let's time heist this. I was gonna pitch
0: this to you as off the cuff, figure it out now, but I thought that would be a little too uncerebral and unprepared because I think that there's some thought that, sure. actually, for me, in my own case, a lot of thought went into this and what I was going to go. Yeah. All right. From the beginning of Marvel, I'm going to give you one time heist option, and that is either to allow a character that was killed to be brought back or to introduce a character who, as of now, 30 films in has yet to be introduced. The caveat is though, you have to tell me what film does it occur in? So do you want to go first or so we're time heisting the MCU? Because I think the general idea on this is it's fucked. (laughs) It is. And especially if you look at the things that's happening with Jonathan Winters now majors majors, I mean Jonathan
1: Winters, different guy
0: Jonathan majors. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're in real trouble. Yeah.
1: There's a lot leveraging on where that goes. The legality of his. Oh no. And then also we got to talk about this. How much is this writer's strike going to impact these productions that are long in development, right? It might save their ass because that might buy them the time for him to put these
0: legal issues to bed because the Kang thing is literally on life support right now. Yeah. They cannot roll out someone with these allegations. Well, I mean,
1: I guess they did with James Gunn, but it's, you know. No, 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 no. He's in real trouble. James Gunn's thing for the people out there was some questionable, odd, dark humor tweets that were in bad taste. Jonathan Major's thing is, you know, potentially very troubling. Yes. If found guilty, you know, still the benefit of the doubt on whether he is or not, but it's, it's a different circumstance for sure. And so
0: the point being is if you take Kang off the table, what's left? So,
1: I don't think they can take Kang off the table. I don't think they, they can, can take either. the actor off the table. They can't. But
0: yeah, exactly. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, why don't you go first? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going back. I'm. I can't believe this is where I'm going to go with okay. this. But this is where I'm going to go with this. Mm-hmm. I need to resurrect one character and change places with the life of this one and the death of their comrade. Okay. Comrade. Okay. I need Natasha back, Romanoff. I don't give a shit about the Black Widow. Okay. But she needs to live and Hawkeye needs to die. He's entirely disposable. And in fact, they've already replaced him with a younger version of Hawkeye as it stands right now.
1: Haley Steinfeld, yeah.
0: The issue that I have with Romanoff's death is this. By removing her, Cap, and Iron Man from the Avengers roster, you are effectively left with no lead. Secondarily, as you search for this next lead, and maybe you bring up Doctor Strange, or maybe you bring up Thor, or maybe you bring up Quill, or any of the otherworldly entities that are left, you change the parameters of, I think, what is an accomplishable foe for them to take down. Up and down on this podcast, I have argued for Civil War to receive the respect that it deserves, but Civil War is a ground-level spy espionage story. If you leave Romanoff alive and kill Hawkeye, you still get that great conversation and you get the loss of a large, important role in the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Hawkeye's a big deal. Mm -hmm. He's not in real life, but in the Avengers, this version of the Avengers, he is. Romanoff takes the helms of Avengers 2.0 as the leader. And now what you do is you're forced to take this into a Zemo, ground level, Fisk, to a certain degree, Sinister Six, Mm. um, Wrecking Crew, base level in a metropolis villain that plays in the political empire. And I would argue that holds Norman Osborn as much possibility as anything intergalactically does. If you remove her from this, which she's removed, then all of a sudden you get massive blowback, and this is the second point, okay. massive blowback from the fans on, oh my God, Marvel killed their leading lady, blah, 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 bullshit yet once again. And we If you want to hear that, there's a whole issue or a whole episode we did on my take on this feigned unfairness to Marvel women. Don't let me start it again. So the, what do they do? a movie that had been started and stopped, I think three times and was in Devo Hell.
1: Which one, Black Widow?
0: They finally (laughs) greenlight Black Widow. And what that does is it sets sets another precedent, Jesse. And that's, we are okay setting out Mm -hmm. with slightly mediocre, a little bit less, a little bit more than mediocre films going forward. And they are stuck in that same spin cycle ever since. If Natasha's alive, we don't ever get... Black Widow yeah, because she's the leader of the Avengers and she becomes Downey Mm 2.0. So I don't have to see Black Widow and then I don't have to fucking see Shang-Chi and then the Eternals and the rest of all of this nonsense, uh, save Spider-Man. I'm
1: sure you have to see them, but maybe they're a little bit better. Well, yeah. (laughs) And then we get out of space and we
0: get back into a street level villain because here's the thing, everybody. Kang is time. Yeah. It's more time high stuff. Yeah,
1: more fiddling around with that
0: you're doubling down on the in game episode, which we took to task in a monumental endeavor, which was almost three hours that day. Yeah. Without a leader. So I'm resurrecting Natasha killing off Hawkeye. And I think I solve some of these problems where we find ourselves right now.
1: I dig it. Thank you. I like Scarlett Johansson too. So I do too. yeah. So I think that would be, yeah, I think that would be a, a good fit and yeah. Yeah, the, the stench of mediocrity that we're just, like, yeah. okay with. Like, you know, like, this film today is, I think, good and palatable, but, like, I'm not going to call it a masterpiece. I'm not going to put it in the same conversation as Dark Knight or, like, yeah. Spider-Man 2 or mm-hmm. X-Men First Class or anything. First like Iron that. Man. Yeah, I'm not going to put it in that same uh, conversation. But, yeah, this, like, we're just okay with just getting by. Yeah, Were a lot of my issues, I think, with this... Phase 4 and uh, 5 have been is lack of direction. Mm. Like, I still don't even know, like, what we're going. Like, Kang, are like, we even going to get there, right? Lending battles? We shall see, right? Yeah. So here's my re time heist that you are allowing me. I'm going to Endgame. I'm yeah. going to the same film as you. Uh, but I'm going to the post credit scene. And if you'll remember that the post credit scene of Endgame wasn't a scene, but it was rather a sound effect of chomping, uh, like, hammering metal. And I think that was meant to be Iron Man hitting metal to that first time he was creating the suit in the cave, right? I need a scene. And, like, I I wrote the whole scene for you, Matt. Hmm. Uh, Because I think it was okay in this instance to let the audience know, okay, we wrapped up one chapter. Here's what's coming next. So, post-blip, everyone returns. We're going to Eastern Europe and this man... Stumbles across his estate looking for his parents and can't find them because in this five-year interim, his parents have passed on. Maybe they died of a broken heart of the loss of their son, but he walks up to their grave, their mausoleum, and what does their grave say? Oh, it says Von Doom. And here in this mausoleum, maybe we get some sort of rudimentary knight that has like that mask that he would don but I think you let the Marvel audience know that yes. this is the next thing coming that we're building towards. Yes. And I know they're waiting for the Fantastic Four to reintroduce this element, but I think it could have been done a lot sooner. Um, and I think in a cool blipped out fashion that he could have returned with a new sense of vengeance of my parents died waiting for me. And I'm like, what does that hold for me, right? I love it. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Uh, Can we
0: remake that movie with those two changes, please? Yeah. Mm, Jesse, that's so good.
1: Yeah. For, there was a rumor going around around the time Endgame, and I was kind of floating around the Reddit boards of what was the end scene going to be like. And another rumored one that didn't happen was this kind of guy walking in like a New York alleyway, and all you saw, like, he, like, came across this, like, kind of like homeless person, and you just saw this, like, arm out, outstretched in a skinked, and three claws came out and it was Wolverine to like introduce the mutants into the MCU. Right. I thought that was kind of cool and that, that never really happened either. Nope. But I know you were closing one chapter. I think it would have been okay to reintroduce where we were going to go next. Yeah. And I think that's the lack of direction of all of phase four of we are just treading water, trying to, we're doing eternals. We're doing a Shang-Chi. We're doing a God knows what. Mm Mm-hmm. Ant-Man three. Yeah. And we're doing a Falcon Winter. So we really don't know anything of what we're doing, but I think that could have helped a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Because things are a mess. Wakanda is a mess. The Avengers
0: are a mess. Loki's a mess. Hang on.
1: Wakanda's not a mess. A mess. It's just, you know, cause I was a big fan to Namor's introduction. Right. I, like yeah. I, I liked that component, but yeah. Like, but what's the grand scheme of like where we're going? If it's Kang, it's still I'm still on the fence about that.
0: Yeah, I think Wakanda's a, I think Wakanda's a mess. I mean, the the nation of Wakanda is still cool, but where that's at, I, I think that's that's an upside down too. Yeah, yeah, I, I I love that Von Doom at the mausoleum of I love that Jesse. That's I love it. That is so good because you know what it does? What yours does? Mm-hmm. It addresses, and they've done it a little bit, but this really hard addresses. What happened in that five-year interim post-blip? Like, how many people yeah. have to deal with that? Like, I was gone. I, these five years of mine were taken because while I was blipped out, my family wasn't, and they died of a broken... Like, I mm-hmm. love that.
1: Yeah. So now you got some... You get Reason villain, to be pissed. It's a villain's motivation kind yes. of already. On top of he hasn't been like mutated by whatever Fantastic Fourism, right? Especially if it's
0: like in a state like you mentioned and the state has been repurposed or reclaimed by the government. Yeah. Because they couldn't pay the bills.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Good job. Now the casting would have been huge on like who's playing that guy cuz I think that's gonna be paramount to making that character really work. Like a Daniel Craig would be pretty good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, talk about Oppenheimer. Cillian Murphy, I think, would slay as doom. Uh, but we shall see whenever he makes his appearance in this universe. But, mm-hmm. hey, I'm still holding out hope. I mean, I think they can still write this ship and give us something satisfying. I just, you know, I think time's running out a little bit. I think we're kind of getting to a place where we need to see where things are going yes. and it ain't Loki season two ladies and gentlemen. No, it is not. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be that secret wars either.
0: Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. War guess, machine and, and Nick Fury. I'm out. Well, like, pass. Oh, armor wars, armor wars. I mean,
1: <laughs> what about see We got secret invasion
0: this summer. Yeah, that, yeah, that'll be all right. Yeah, maybe,
1: maybe, um, you know, you, you told me we could go X-Men or fantastic four if we wanted to. I, I, I guess I did go a little fantastic for, but villain wise, mm-hmm. have they waited too long to get, I think I've asked this many times, but yeah, the answer is yes. Right. Yes. They've waited too long to reintroduce those characters. Mm-hmm. Cause those are huge other universes that open up more possibilities. Right. Mm-hmm. If there is, and there, there is a very distinct Robert Downey jr. void in this franchise. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah, they got to get something in here that, like, makes us care. I think Tom Holland can carry some of that, but, like, that's just in his solo Spider-Man films. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not in this other stuff. No, he's not built to be the team lead. He's kind of a single guy. Gosh, that was Spider-Man No Way Home was so good. It was just, it gets better the more I think about it in a way where it should never have, that idea never should have worked on screen.
0: Xavier, Reed Richards, Mm -hmm. Tony Stark. Yeah. Those are three leads and we only have one of them right now. Yeah. The rest... Wait, who? Well, we only had Tony Stark. I mean, he's gone. So, I mean, we're down to, like, these two, but they haven't been introduced yet.
1: They were introduced in, like, a fake way.
0: <laughs> yeah, and whatever that... Yeah.
1: Whatever that was. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. Yeah, Hey, it's always a long conversation. Hey, this ain't a short podcast anymore. No. Uh There's always a ton to talk about in the world of superhero dumb, but... That's a capper on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Go check it out. I mean, if you were a fan of the other two, you you definitely got to see how it wraps up, right? For sure. You just can't just like not miss it. But as alluded to last week, we are going to wrap up our time. Do you want to kind of set us up a little bit? This was your pick.
0: Yeah, this was gonna be the crow, everybody. I'll tell you that, this was gonna be the crow until
1: You were so inspired by my choice.
0: Yeah, I was, and I thought, I don't know when this will ever fit in and we'll get a chance. And there's such a great production story around this and different versions and what should have been and what was, and lots of great conversations about what I think is still kind of a successful film and what overall is not really a great successful when you take the totality of all of them, and that's Superman two, the original Superman Two with Christopher Weave. Uh I think we're going to watch two different versions. I'm going to watch the Salkind version. You're going to watch the Donner's version. Yep. I'm probably going to watch both, to be honest with you. But
1: Well, I, I kind of want to stop you. I, I think you should should just watch the theatrical because I think where the good chunk of our conversation can be is in the differences and whether or not which one kind of is okay. the better option. Uh, yeah, I think this will be, I think a first for the show, which is where we're talking about the same movie, but two drastically different versions of the same movie. Okay. And I'll just be upfront. I think they're both pretty good. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So when does that ever work out? But yeah, I think, yeah, I think the other time we did this was, and we didn't do it within the same film, but we did the justice league with Whedon Mm -hmm. and then the Zack Snyder version. Right. Yep. But like to talk about it within the same context of the same film is going to be a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. And yeah, a film that you and I have seen a lot, which is Superman Two. That was one of those HBO films, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. I think our Superman conversation was incredible. It was the more I thought about it in this last week, one of my favorite episodes. It It was was just, just a great conversation about you and I like to do a lot of like, look at the timer, the ticker tape over here of where we're at. And when you, you looked over and it was like one hour and I think we were still in smallville. I was like,
0: Oh boy, it's
1: going to be, it's going to have to take its time. Right. There's a ton to get into. We don't get out under an hour and 40 anymore. Yeah. It depends. I think there's a long one.
0: Look, we're twenty-five.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of guardians discussion, but Hey, you got Superman two coming to you next week. Uh, I got to get going. I got to go. Uh, Oh, what do I got to do this week? um i'm gonna go make a mixtape mm. i am gonna put you'll like this i'm gonna put fleetwood mac oh foo fighters uh let's see clapton yeah i'll put some clapton on there you'll have to allow me some rush oh you and i were singing tunes of the police so we'll put pop the police on there who do you want to add on this uh master mixtape
0: i'll give you the moody blues if you give me
1: live I'll let you have live. Love we'll will the Moody Blues. And how about we wrap up with Guns N' Roses? Sweet child of mine. All right. Sounds good. To that, we'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, is property of Marvel Studios and Walt Disney Studios motion pictures. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers.
2: And we'll kill anyone who gets in our way. No,
0: not
1: kill anyone. Kill a few people.
0: Kill no people. Kill one guy, one stupid guy who no one loves.
2: Now you're just making it sad.